0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts
1: and Podcast One. Sometimes, guys, you just get a sense of a person's dedication. And you might be with them for, in one way, as a partner, as a coworker, as someone on a softball team, whatever, batting, and you don't really know their level of dedication. You had a hint, you don't know. And then... One day something happens, and you're like, wow, now I know. It is midnight, exactly. It is now Wednesday. <laughs> and through a confluence of events, no one's fault, we're just finishing the pot, And you know, it's the Wednesday of a holiday week. And you know what? We went through every freaking game with the vigor that leads to at least the potential of winning. That's all you can do, put yourself in a position to win. You know what helps more than anything, perhaps? And I think that the way to say it is, for the effort required, it is the most impactful to your bottom line. It's not even listening to this pod, which is very impactful. But even with that, you know, it's it's going to be hard. If you just blindly bet, which would be the passive way, you can win. And certainly if you look at last year, it would have been a huge win. Or you look at this year, not so great. You had the two years up. Doing all right. But that way, if you had one out, ugh, it's going to be tough. You have two outs, eh, it gets easier. Adding outs, especially to get to three. I've said it before, and you know why I keep saying it? Because it's true. And I could make up other stuff. But why? The truth is profound in this case. Getting up to three outs gets you a chance to win. That fourth and fifth out, It helps. After five diminishing returns, no doubt, betdsi.com, 100% bonus match, promo code BELL101. So, betdsi.com, sign up, BELL101, B E L L 101, and 100% bonus match. Put in $100, it's matched. Put in 200, 200 it's matched. Yes, a bonus match. You might think, oh, it's, season's almost over. No. Think about it. All these Thanksgiving games, segues into the college bowls, segues into you getting into college basketball, NBA, Christmas Day games, holiday tournaments, college bowls. Think about it. All the way through like April. You can take a little breath in April. Till then, another out adds your bottom line, betdsi.com, promo code BELL101. On to the show that began on Tuesday and ended on Wednesday. And now, a word from Mark Bennett, a professor at the Doseckis College Football Football College.
2: Hey, college football fans, what's Bennett been in here? Do you want to win every football argument this season? Dominate every debate? Become a pigskin prodigy? Then enroll in a Doseckis College Football Football College where you'll learn from football insiders like me, Jay Cutler, Katie Nolan, and Arthur John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosekis.com edu.
3: Enjoy Dos Equis Responsibly. Imported by Cervase's Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019 Dos Equis Beer Brands. Official beer sponsor of the college football playoff.
1: Finally, there's a football beer school for me. Thanks, Martalis.
4: Welcome
0: to RJ. Bell's Dream Preview, Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable,
1: broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. And it's a special Thanksgiving edition, week 14, college football dream preview with a jumbo-packed wise guy roundtable. To my left, Brad Powers. All the college knowledge. To my far right.
2: These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter goals, Jim Daddy.
1: Ken Thompson. And let me say this. He's spry- and sprightly, a lot of, lot of vigor, vim and vigor. And then finally, this took some serious negotiation. Let's just say when you get Hollywood agents involved, it gets complicated. But we have for the entire show, tally prepped. And also, let's just say he's, uh, there's, uh, there's been a, 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 a handshake agreement. An agreement in principle that we'll get a good, you know, less condescending attitude. For the entire show, fake Fezzik. A- anything to say, fake Fezzik? Nothing. I'm right. here. I'm
0: ready. Let's rock.
1: It's not the fake Fezzik. It's the real Fezzik. Now, some of you might be saying, why is Fezzik here? What's going on? What's changed? Well. This is Fezix run. Yeah, we just got Weeks 8 and Beyond's data here. When battling. Loser. 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 Winner. That was all in two weeks. Then the picks started drying up. Loser. Then a whole week with no one. Cro- Who wouldn't be crossfiring him just blind? <laughs> but what ended up happening, Brad? Uh, Fez got a little
3: creative. He started doing derivative bets and totals and first quarter.
1: Like, like even yeah, before the odds were out. Yeah. yeah. It's like anything they won't bet against. Me. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was like the ultimate no moss in a way. Yeah. How do you respond to that, Fez?
0: Got a fiduciary responsibility to those listening to give them the best information and bets possible.
1: No, 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 no. So you were saying before you weren't giving them the best information? What you're saying is by giving something that's unbettable, we can't bet you.
0: Well, yeah. Because you're making up Be, the numbers. Because the numbers aren't even out. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, like, he gets to set the bet. <laughs> oh, oh, golly gee, that sounds like a good time.
3: And if you look, just out of spite, I ended up betting you on an Alabama team total against the LSU game, and you lost because yeah. Alabama hit, like, a 90-yard touchdown late in the game.
1: And and that's what's so funny mm. is that, that – you, I mean if you, you could have you could have been as sure as Christmas is coming that he, that he was going to get the best of every number he made up. <laughs> yeah. I mean and and the fact he had the like listen some would say you know since I'm the boss I have a sense of entitlement at times I try not to I couldn't even imagine saying hey I'm going to bet you guys let me set the numbers and I'll be out of I'll be out of communication while the taping's going on. Like that's a level that in a way, it's maybe why Fez is successful, which is who would even think to do that? But he did. Yep. And he tried to make it happen. But today, coincidentally, you're here and you have all picks ready, right? I'm ready to rock. <laughs> this guy, he is one of a kind. Now, listen, Brad, you won your best bet. Otherwise, wasn't a great pod no. across the board. But what we can feel sure of. You know, generally the direction's right from a bad place not that long ago. And we're all doing so much better than Fez in college. Now, Fez, in a way, this exposes the wisdom of you using your network. Because being one of the best, in my opinion, the best public guy in the world at the NFL... Means everyone wants to trade with, or not everyone, but a lot of people want to trade with you. And thus your picks with the all access at pregame.com are usually different because I mean, as we are very explicit about these Tuesday taping picks or your picks. You should you shouldn't be back in college on your own. Just FYI. What do you think?
0: The data doesn't lie. <laughs> On Tuesday. But, as you mentioned, as the week goes by and I get more information year to date. So that's what I was going to ask, how you're doing. 62 and 49, 56% of my premium plays.
1: That's better than you would expect. I mean, the best, or in the long term, the best that a professional better hopes to do is 55. So it's from 1 in 11 when it's you to 56% when it's you and friends.
0: Yes. But to be fair, I'm still not sure I wouldn't have had a lousy record, even if you had cherry picked me from the 62 and 49, because you, just because I'm hitting 56%, you guys are like sharks, blood in the water, and you can pick out the few lemons that I may have, and that's the ones you're going to challenge me on.
1: He could have been a politician, even. (laughs) But somehow you could pick out their lemons, couldn't you? Yeah. So it's even. Easier for me in the NFL. Or perhaps if you were here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It it could be that half of it's just showing up sometimes. But no one's judging. We thought it, I mean, everyone thought it went really well. Except you. Showtime! Woo! All right, we're tutoring Brad. Listen, the guy's a talent. I mean, to the point where Fez is very, very jealous. We're going to let him, we're going to slowly give him a little, hmm, What's it called? Hosting chops. So, Brad, I want you to give the the uh, team the spread and your power rating, and I'll decide who to throw to based upon the most drama, hopefully, maybe potentially arguments, blood, whatever is entertaining. Yep.
3: First game: Texas A&M at LSU. LSU, a seventeen point home favorite. Pure power rating on this one, according to Brad Powers. LSU by 18 and a half.
1: Ooh. Well, Fez, you got the only like on this game, and you like the dog. Agreeing. Wait, wait. Pure power rating. Yeah, going against. It's going against. Oh, against, yeah. Buck, it might be a little
0: crossfire yeah. here. Yeah, like Texas a and and m has shown they can compete versus the elite in college football. They played three games against top five teams. They lost by 14 at Clemson. They lost by 19 versus Alabama when Alabama had Tua, and they lost by six at Georgia. And what I see from this Texas A&M team is a team that has the
1: athletes that can compete
0: against the very best in college football. Now, if you look at this game against
1: LSU— So, hold on. So, if they have those athletes, why are they only showing up for those games?
0: I don't know why, relatively speaking, that A&M is doing better when they play their most important games of the year.
3: No, I mean, they've beaten everyone they should. Every game that they've been favored in but so, one.
1: So is it fair to say then a is far exceeding expectations this year? They're well, if you beat everyone you should and yeah. you play extra good against the team Yeah, they're beat exceeding you.
3: expectations. I think they're like a game or two over when it comes to uh, against the spread for the season.
1: But, boy, I mean, it seems like we're splitting hairs. Yeah. So do me a favor. Let's just look at their ATS margin on the year. Because in general, a sample size of three isn't enough. Wouldn't you agree? Agree. But you're leading off
5: your handicap with it. Yes. So. Well, I think. Th- six and five against the spread for the year for LSU. I think the,
0: p- the point is coping. if you're- For LSU. Ken, you yeah, said so, right? oh,
5: I'm sorry for LSU. Yes, yeah, seven and four for Texas A oh, Okay, sorry about that.
0: I mean, I think the coping is important. That a lot of the a lot of the teams that are good but not great, you get them in against the monsters and they can't compete and they get blown out. And that certainly has not been the case with Texas A and M. But
1: usually, there's a correlation between how good you are and how well you play against good teams. And there's a correlation about how, between how good you are and how well you play against bad teams. But there's some teams like Michigan that are like bullies that can
0: crush the bad teams, but they get blown out a lot when they play the, you know, the best teams.
1: And usually that's about the, the mindset of the coach, and that's also about how phys- – usually it's the physical teams that can just out-physical the lesser teams. But those are very unique cases. I never thought AM was one of those. That's why I'm asking. I'm not trying to be difficult. What do we got on ATS market? Just
3: point six plus point six points per game against the spread.
1: So what I'm hearing is they've been covering against the good teams, winning, but not covering as much. Pretty much, yeah. Against the teams they're supposed to be. So my first thought is motivation. Right? Is this is a team that ebbs and flows, and they need to get up? You know, they need a big game to get up. Yep. I mean, is that the thought? Have you, Has anyone been saying? No. Because Jimbo Fisher supposedly is a good coach, right? Yeah, he's a
3: good coach. He won a national title.
1: So, isn't that mean you're supposed to have pretty steady motivation? Yes. So, what's going on? Well,
3: I mean, most of these games are pretty much up to expectation, whether they're failing well, to cover. you just said
1: they're not covering by, or they're only covering by less than a point a game. Yes. And I think we all agree they've exceeded expectations in the three big games that Fez cherry-picked. Yeah. So, there was really
3: just two games where they really fell short, uh, Auburn and Arkansas, back-to-back weeks back in September. Other than that, they pretty much, it's not like they've been overly disappointing so in any s- game. So
1: since September, yep. October went on, what's the worst ATS margin in any given game?
3: Minus seven, when they were laying 38 points and they beat a team So by you're 31. saying
1: since September, or what was this, the second game of September, when was the last game that, that was a bigger uh, differential? you saying there were two games yeah.
3: early. Uh September twenty-eighth.
1: All right. So from, from end of September on, yep. seven point teaser, they're undefeated. Yep. I guess they pushed for right? one. Yeah. Well, Fez, you just make it seven and a half, right? Seven <laughs> and a half point <laughs> teaser. So in a weird way, that makes me think this is an underrated team because you just don't get a sense in A&M's, like doing well this year. But yeah. if you're if you're not if you're always within this, a touchdown of the spread and you're covering more than you're not, that's pretty good, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. But, and I don't see any reason in this game that LSU is going to look for margin. I mean, LSU's got the SEC title game next week.
1: so. But if a line's only 17, are we re- is looking for margin the issue? Well, I think there's a good chance
0: that LSU could be up 10 to 20 points at the end of this game. Well, and then, it, then 20, it is the issue. If they're up
1: by 20, then they cover. I'm saying with in the fourth quarter. But what's the decision that's gonna be let's say they were like ravenous for margin. Let's say that somehow a booster said every point you beat A and M by you get a million dollars. What would they do? Give me the the scenario that they would act differently.
0: Well, if they're up fourteen and they've got the ball, they're gonna try to score, obviously. Yes.
1: Okay, so they're up fourteen. With how much time left? Five Wait, minutes. When aren't play. they trying to? Score?
0: Five minutes to play. So just they just run out the clock. If if they have the ball in their own twenty, I would expect they'd just run the ball and look to run out. The
3: but clock. see LSU, that's not LSU this year. They've been that's aggressive in, in, all sixty minutes this year. That's just been their their mantra and. I agree with you. On the surface, you got to wonder the the motivation. I'll give you the motivation. LSU's last loss, the last time they lost a football game, was against A&M last year. It was in seven overtimes and a game that was hotly contested because of officiating, and LSU was pissed after that game. I do think, relatively speaking, LSU's motivated to get margin if if they're in that instance here.
1: Well, i got to tell you, I think what you just told me makes me want to go the other way. So on one hand, LSU motivated now, motivated to get margins a different conversation, but let's just call motivation a, a big concept by itself, and we can divvy it up if we have to. And then what's A&M feeling? Their emotion is going to be, hey, same coaches, right? Schemes are fine. A lot of the same players. We can compete with these guys. You know, You see them up at number two now, but this is a team that we had beat last year. Like between those two emotions, increased focus from LSU, increased confidence from a And think the confidence is the bigger one.
3: Right? Yeah, I, I don't have a strong disagreement there.
1: Which means you agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> so, th- can we? I mean, like, wh- how do you balance those two? Or f- whoever's got something.
5: No, it makes it. You make a good point. I really looked at this game to where I thought the number was there, and I thought maybe LSU. With the championship game on deck, if they got a lead of twenty-seven somewhere in that neighborhood in the second half, maybe they take Joe Burrow out. Ooh, you know, and Tua yeah. getting hurt, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, that's
0: going to be a if there's a reminder. Moment. Oh my gosh, the how can I mess this game up? Get Burrow hurt.
1: That's interesting. Plus, however it went, Mississippi had was out for blood, or I'm I'm sorry, LSU was out for blood against Mississippi, right? Yep. Which was what two weeks ago? Yep. I mean, I, I just it feels like that that would have trumped. Is like if if you're yeah, that would have been
3: the more motivated. Yeah,
1: if you're number two or one, they were one out of the two in the country, and you're going around with petty grievances. <laughs> yeah, that this team somehow had the gall to compete with us last year. We're mad at them. So, so now the question becomes because I just want to pick off everything Fez does at this point. I think he, I think his for his Tuesday stuff. His confidence is shot, and let's exploit it, Brad. Why? you actually lean LSU, why not a like?
3: Because I, I do question LSU's motivation. I, I mean, on one hand, no, it's just on one hand, they do have that game on deck, and, and I'm wondering how, how much they want to get margin. But if that was the case, then I, I, I'd be on the A&M side, and the reason they took me off the A&M side, number one, my power rating, I got a point and a half difference, and then number two, I do think LSU's still going to be relatively motivated for this game because it's not like – I mean, let, let's be honest. Tua last year was minus 1,000 to win the Heisman second week in November. Joe Burrow, by all intents and purposes, has this locked up unless he goes out and throws three, four interceptions. So
1: I do think so they want— So if he throws three or four interceptions, but LSU wins by three points, just a tight one, what's the odds on the Heisman Monday morning?
3: Burrow minus—
1: if you say anything below eight hundred, I, I think it's way too low. Oh, really? Well, mm. But I want to know what you. I waiting.
3: was going to say like minus five hundred.
1: See, you would you think it should be higher, Fez?
3: Yeah, as long as LSU wins
0: the game, Burrow's going to win the Heisman. I don't think it matters what he does on the field.
1: No, the Heisman is waits to see the SEC championship game. Yeah, right?
3: two more games.
1: So you're saying uh, that's interesting. Burrow loses this game, wins the SEC championship. They're in the playoffs. Yeah, that's all you know. What's Burrow's odds?
0: Minus twelve hundred.
1: So you just said as long as he doesn't lose this game, then you say if he loses the game, he's minus twelve hundred. Well, I got a.
0: If he's minus two thousand and he loses the game, I got to lower the minus two thousand.
1: Well, do you think we were saying that if Burrow has a horrible game or Burrow loses, he would it would have no effect on his odds? He said minus eight hundred. Or he said, I said he was going to say minus 500. Yeah. I thought and he you made... go you go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You go, as long as he doesn't lose this game, he's fine. But then we say, well, what happens if he did lose? You'd say, well, it'd be below 2,000. <laughs> but you're – like, what? Would, the assumption is it'd be like five, minus 500 or something because you were saying that's the case that Brad's number would be right.
0: Yeah, if he plays a lousy game and they lose the game, both. That's the only way I could justify dropping a minus 2,000 down to a minus 500.
1: All right. I just I, I guess to some degree, I don't think there is a rhyme or reason to it because last year there really wasn't. Like what I mean, Tua didn't even lose a game last year and went from minus one thousand
3: to out. He just got banged up in a game.
1: I mean that there should be a union. <laughs> yeah. You get banged up and they you yeah. they take your Heisman away. Yeah. He he'll never win one now, I don't think. No. So this feels like and we'll get Ken's more detailed thoughts. This feels like the perfect use of power ratings, meaning let's assume your 18 and a half is right. And what we're saying is, yeah, but AM to some degree has proven they can play with this team. And when I say to some degree, it was last year. Number two, AMs performed, you know, pretty well. And the thing though that is probably more important. Is this could be a flat spot for LSU. They've got a game which, quite frankly, they're not used to having. Like, Alabama has had a lot of games where yeah. they got the big season is on the line type game next week, but this week they got to take care of business. When did LSU have that?
3: LSU hasn't played in the SEC championship game, I think, since 2011.
1: So this is different. They're excited. Yeah. You're just bringing up a great point there. There's... Probably the SID, all the operations people that were there in 2011, especially with the new coach, are not there. This is the first yeah. time they, any of them have gone to a championship game for yeah. the most part. So they're figuring out hotels. or the They obviously want to take care of business here, but this does feel like a down spot or a spot where you got to downgrade LSU's the situation. Would you agree with that, Fez? Yes.
3: And I agree with that. I'm talking that through.
1: It just seems weird... That you led the handicap with how like profiling AM as a team that does well against these kind of, you know, good teams when I mean, it seems like this is so much more situation spot. Whereas it's a good one for an AM because LSU has a look ahead. Like how would you rank your weight of these factors?
0: Well, I led with the fact that they coped with these top teams, so I felt that was more important coming in.
1: And but, but you do yeah. realize that you kind of repeating, saying that because I led with it, then you should know that was most important. You should realize that that kind of impeccable logic doesn't permeate your presentations. Whereas, well, number one, so I'm Fair asking enough. you, like, make in a weird way, I'm being very polite here by saying it makes no sense that you led with that. Can you help us understand why?
0: When I saw the spread on the game, I said, Texas A&M catching 17. That seems too high to me. I know that Texas A&M plays well against top competition. That was my first handicap on this game.
3: Except they were catching 16-17 against Clemson. They were catching at home like 17-18 against Alabama. Even last week at Georgia catching about 13-14 in that game. So they've been getting big point spreads. And, in these and
0: most recently against Georgia, I mean, when I watched that game, I was watching two Uh-oh, teams this that look.
1: The score doesn't count. Yeah. Well,
0: they, I mean, it looked. What were the conditions? It was a monsoon.
3: But and who would that normally, you know, who would that The hurt underdog, the, it helps. It helps the underdog. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. Only less
1: points, right? Yes. And I guess it's going to help the team that has to, that doesn't need to throw. Right? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Do me a favor. So Jimbo's been there, what, since 18 or 17?
5: Uh, just two years, eighteen.
1: Yeah, look up a uh, double-digit dog. That's it. Let's just see how they've done. All
5: right, Kenny, what do you got? No, I'm just leaning on this game. Uh, I just
1: you know, so why? So I guess the question will be the same one: Why not? So you lean
5: LSU? Why not a like? Because the factor that they could be taking Joe Burrow out because they do mm-hmm. have the SEC championship game on deck, and and Fez made a great point with what happened to Tua. It'll be in the back of coaches' minds. Look, we're up enough. We don't need style points. We're sitting number two. We were number one, but we're sitting number two as far as the rankings. Still good enough. All we need to do is get to the championship game, take care of business against Georgia, punch our ticket.
3: Four and one ATS plus four points per game.
1: Wait a minute. You were, you were just rattling off all those games they supposedly lost as a big dog. Well, then they covered a few of those. Ah! Yeah. Well, he was—you was sounded I... confident, though. Well, he just was saying hey, you sounded I... confident. Yes, I did. I mean, you had me fooled. It was—I yeah. thought you just debunked
5: him. Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio.
1: Maybe getting handed off, reading no, the games is throwing you off. No, he was
3: just mentioning. I was surprised to see.
1: You directly said, I was
3: surprised to see A&M catching this many points. And my Well, that's the was,
1: definition of a game you like. You think yeah, you're getting sure. too many points.
3: But I'm, my point was, they've been getting a lot of these big points. And, do, sure. and he,
1: who knows he's not. Maybe that's why he has huh. a mansion and a yacht. There's yeah. three extra units. And I don't.
3: I don't. He has one. He has a mansion on the yacht, and I don't. And you
1: have a condo, yeah, with a secret tunnel that runs, the, so you don't have <laughs> yeah. to see anyone between here <laughs> and the. <laughs> all right, I do think to wrap this game, it would be wrong. We would say Fez isn't a college guy. Why are you growing him? Just think, if we just assume, oh, that's Fez. He, he's not a college guy. There's going to be a lot. He has massive, import, massively, massively important insights. That sometimes are going to be obscured, but they're there. And I, I don't think we have to drone. I don't think we have to, you know, make it a blood sport. But I think like, holding him accountable for his handicap, I think, only makes sense. And I think a lot of the time there's going to be wisdom in there. I don't think necessarily profiling a m Though, Jimbo, you know, we're back to the idea that these were a lot of highly recruited athletes who hate the idea that this team is so much better than us, right? Yep. And I also think Jimbo Fisher is the kind of guy that with the pedigree the kids are going to look at and say, he thinks we have a chance, we have a chance. Yep. Usually the pedigree the coach has a lot to do with how teams do as a big underdog. Yes. Next game, Brad.
3: Next game, Florida State at Florida. Florida, an 18-point home favorite. Power rating on it for me has Florida by 18.7.
1: Now – um, you don't go to a hundred. No, I didn't.
3: I saved the listeners.
1: <laughs> Ken has he's pulling a phasic. He has a derivative. Wow. Well, He's got the total
5: in the game. <laughs> yeah, hey, you said we get one total, so what the heck? <laughs> Ken's like saying, I'm just following the rules, MoFo. Look, I'm just I'm just impressed with the Florida defense, and it's still a rivalry game. Even though FSU is down, they're already bowl eligible, so they're not going to have too much incentive outside of trying to knock off Florida, but they're just not good enough. And the interim coach, Haggins, doing a decent job. Won his two games there, but Florida at home, or Florida, I'm sorry, on the road, but Nonetheless, I still think Florida's going to take care of business and it's probably going to be an ugly game. I have no no clue as far as getting involved as far as the side, but I think this game's going to be probably right around in the, in the 40s, RJ. All
1: right, so under right now, 53 and a half. Um, Brad and Ken, back and forth as much. What have you seen from Florida State since the coaching change?
3: I've seen a lot of energy. I mean, I thought they were up against it in the first game at Boston College, and it was kind of a nip-and-tuck game, and Florida State made the plays at the end, although I just think they utilized their superior athletes against Boston College. The eye test said that. And then they played a nobody, an FCS school, where they just basically performed up to expectations, failed to cover by about a touchdown. Since then, Florida State's had a bye, so I think it's a little bit, To be determined, because, I mean, they've only pretty much played one team uh, since the, the interim. Although, I go back to he was the interim coach a couple years ago, and a lot of sharp money lined up against Florida State in the bowl game that year on Southern Miss. Line dropped two, three points in that game. What happened? Florida State, a lot of people were questioning, what's Florida State's motivation? They're a big favorite. They got an interim coach. They're playing Southern Miss, and Florida State crushed southern miss in that game so everything i've seen so far from the interim is i mean he's 4-0 the last uh three years he's been in the interim in four games 4-0 straight up and the kids are protesting and, and trying to get this guy hired to be the permanent head coach so i i think it's a positive right now with florida state ken
5: i agree with you i think that's the thing i mean where you look at fsu to where if you get one of those likable guys and we look at on what he's doing at LSU, mm. you know, even when he was at SC, the SC kids liked him. The SC kids like Clay Helton. So while all the media is always speculating, making, you know, getting this big splash, bringing in a big coach, you know, and that Florida State, of course, going from Jimbo Fisher, striking out with Willie Taggart, they want to go to another big name. But the kids are like, look, we like this guy. We play for him. We'll play hard. You know, we think we have talent here. Maybe it was just misused by Taggart. And I agree with you. I think the kids like playing for him, and maybe he ends up getting it. And,
3: and I'm starting, and this is where I was doing some reading today, there's starting to be growing support among even some of the fan base that, hey, maybe this guy could be an option as far as being the, the head coach moving forward because they see an Ed Orgeron. And Florida State money. is dealing with some money issues. And why not have a guy like this uh, and just hire good coordinators, similar to what Ed Orgeron's done at LSU. That's, you know, being the, the prime example.
1: And – Correct me if I'm wrong. There were serious rumors about um, Bob Stoops.
3: Yes. Turned down. A lot of these people are turning Florida State down.
1: But what I heard was he was willing to take the job. Really? It just was money. Yeah. He wanted a big payday.
3: And Florida State has issues with money right now. Not only buying out Willie Taggart, but even before that buyout, this is not a, a school, Florida State, that can go toe for toe, dollar for dollar with an Alabama or a Clemson at this point.
1: And in a weird way... By letting what happened specifically with Orgeron be like the North Star, saying, Well, we're going to follow that. You actually gain a whole loop, meaning, or a cycle. If that fails, you can say, You know, we tried to hire within, we saw LSU had success, it didn't work. Our first instinct was to hire without, so let's do that now. It's a reset, right? Anytime the public's opinion, is what drives you having the job, which is politicians. I mean, it's a rare thing, yeah. but, call you know, ADs. I mean, if a team's 0-11 or 0-12 every year, but the fans love them, you think they're firing that guy?
3: No, as long as you're putting butts in seats, there's interest. That That's ultimately most important when it comes to
1: college. It's like a vote, yeah. right? And this feels like a way you can kind of do something as a free roll, but not a full free roll, maybe a 50 $0.50 cents on the dollar, where by staying inside, because if you go pick your guy as an AD, I mean, think about it. I mean, there's coaches that leave places unexpectedly. It's almost always that the AD and the coach didn't have the original relationship. Yes. ADs are so connected to their head football coaches, and if they're successful, that's what matters. Yep. If they're not, it doesn't matter. And they want their own guy. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to die without having their own guy. So what do they do? They start conspiring against the coach. Nothing illegal, just little things. And then the coach sees, oh, this isn't, this, I don't want to be here. And then it blows up. Yep. By, by picking inside, if he, I don't know what the AD situation is of Florida State, but it feels like it's only half a pick in a way. Whereas if you go and get your hand-picked guy, that's you now. But do you know does anyone know much about the ad situation
6: I
3: don't that much at this point
1: I think at minimum the team itself probably feels like there's a chance yes I do think that's reasonable which means extra motivation right yeah. the question is doesn't that help Ken's pick meaning isn't handicapping 101 in college football the more uh, energized teams are the better they play defense yes. So I would say, if anything, this being, you know, Ken said, wow, they already made a bowl. Maybe the stakes are – I think the stakes are a little higher for some of these kids, and that's a good thing for the under. Anything else in the game?
3: Yeah, I'm leaning towards Florida, and, and specifically it's a matchup advantage for Florida that has me leaning that way. And it's quite simply Florida's strength on defense, defensive line. Florida's top five in the country, 38 sacks this year. What is Florida State's weakness on offense? It's their offensive line. Florida state bottom 10 in the country allowing 36 sacks. I'm a little bit worried about Florida state's offense being the particularly quarterback, having time here. I'm leaning with the Gators.
5: Now, I'm just looking yeah, I, 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 can't disagree there, but I think Florida state's going to try and run the ball. I think they're going to try and see if they can't mix things up. Blackman has taken over now. I guess haggins that's his guy, Blackman at quarterback. Yes. So horny Brook experiment is over. And, uh, yeah, I, but that Florida defense is stifling. And so
1: it seems like though, if the Florida defensive line is going to dominate Florida State, and that actually affects efficiency, obviously, but it might affect play calling. Yeah, which is what Ken's saying. That, that just more towards the under. Yeah, and, and why not love the? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I don't see anything against the under, so why not love it?
3: I have to pull my pure numbers. On it. Well, Florida State runs a ton of tempo. I mean, under their new offensive corner, they've been running tempo all year long, and this is a pretty cheap total. In fact, I, I got to think it's one of the lowest totals on Florida, a Florida State game all year.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this question. Because it's it, to me, this is one of the times that sports batting is the most fun. Is when it's like you're investigating. What did we see different in the play calling in the one game, right? It's been one or two under the new coach because you said a bye, two two games. But, you but said the, one the only was, one was, was is an
3: FCS game.
1: Yeah. So, the, but in a weird way, when that might be the game to look at because when they can do anything they want effectively against that kind of opponent, you see what their goals are.
3: Yeah. It's, this is the second lowest total in a Florida State game this year. Lois was another rivalry game against Miami, Florida, where Miami had that big advantage against Florida State, defensive line versus offensive line. Florida State couldn't do anything offensively.
1: Actually, Brad, if I remember, and I I don't have the best memory when it comes to college because I try to block a lot of it out, I think you might have been talking about it. When Florida State played, uh, it was Boston College, right? That's the one game. Wasn't there like a wild finish to that thing? There
3: was four touchdowns in the final two and a half minutes of the game. If you had the under, you had one of the worst beats as far as the total all year.
1: Oh, so that, what point of the the, 28 pushed it over? With 10 seconds left,
3: there was a touchdown to put the game over the total. Shut up. Yeah, the final of those four touchdowns put it over.
1: Now let's think about this. So how much time was left when the team scored the first touchdown of the 28 points, the first of the four? Because this is going to be fascinating. Is how many points how much time was left and how many points did they have for the total? Uh two thirty three was right.
3: the first touchdown.
1: Two thirty three before the play.
3: And you're still covering
1: By uh, over twenty one it has to be, yeah. right? So let's call it 25, but we're we're just estimating. Yep. Or do you know the exact number? Well,
3: you were covering by 15 is what it was. The total was 63.
1: Oh, so it was the third touchdown I pushed it over.
3: No, because you could still score. That was that one touchdown. You're still covering by 15. Oh, okay. That's you what scored, I'm saying. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, 50, so 15. So it was like 21, 22 points you had to give before yes. the first touchdown. Yes. 22,
3: right? Yeah, 22 points.
1: All right. So now you, you're covering by 22 points. You've got the under. Yep. Now imagine what Brad would say after this if he had it.
5: He should shaving, shaving the beard again.
1: Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> it's like, okay, touchdown. Now, how long was the touchdown?
3: A one-yard touchdown. All
1: right, um, so they plunge it in. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, I wish they would have taken up some clock, but yeah. okay. So, there's 233 left. You could say they could score another touchdown. Hell, they could score another touchdown. <laughs> yeah. I'm still cashing. Yes. And then how much time? 148 left. Jesus, where did they return the kick? Oh, I guess A 60 started.
3: yard touchdown pass.
1: Boom. Uh oh. Yeah. Okay. So now you got eight points to give. Yep. And you're thinking, okay, okay they won't go for two. We're fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. And
3: Boston College throws an interception. So you think, hey, Florida State's going to run out the clock. They're up seven. All they got to do is Game's take a Game's over. Knee yeah, out. Take a knee. Nope. 66 yard touchdown run. Oh.
1: Instead of taking a knee. What down right. was that?
3: Uh, It was third down. Oh, my God. So if he gets a first down, game over,
1: take a knee. All right. So at that point, you're saying, all right, all right, settle down. And, oh, by the way, we got the best of the number. This is when Mm -hmm. it matters. Yes. Then what happened?
3: And then Boston College goes four plays, 75 (laughs) yards, gets a 20-yard touchdown pass with 14 seconds left. That put it over the total, the final one.
1: This is a cruel, cruel taskmaster. This is gambling we do. Wow. Now, how do we miss that? Professor, if you're wondering how we want to get our information flow improved, we want to see that kind of stuff. Brad, you should have been, like, really making a point of that. I should have. I mean, like, you just figured that wasn't worthy of me- – I mean, <laughs> like, on Sports Center. They they literally have, like, first quarter and someone hits, like, two threes in a row. And it's yeah. like And they slow it way down where it takes, like, 40 seconds to show it. I didn't think you wanted me, like, crying stuff like that. Well, well,
3: did you have? No, I didn't have Then that. why would you be crying? That's true.
0: <laughs> That's tough. So, obviously, all that nonsense scoring at the end of the game would imply that perhaps those setting totals on Florida State probably adjusted the total upwards for that 69 points against B.C., giving us perhaps value on the under, right? Yep.
1: You know, it's funny. I could spend a half hour replaying that and breaking down his diction. It doesn't sound like English is his first language. (laughs) I mean, it's like that was the most unnatural diction of it. I mean, did that sound natural? No. What (laughs) What was going on there, Fez? Well, just 31 garbage points no, at no, the end I, of a game. But, like, right there, yeah. you talk normal. But, yeah. like, when you said that spiel, it felt like you were, like, reading. Like, someone had a gun in your back. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, it's like, yeah. I must say the following words. Yeah, you do sound like a robot.
3: Yeah. And we were, like, theorizing if you would just, like, evaporate <laughs> in the thin air during one of these podcasts, what would we feel? And
1: I'd be like, man, hmm, that no, makes some sense. Figured it might happen some yeah. something. Yeah. You know, like, like, he got teleported, like, in yes. Star Trek back to his home. Yes.
3: You don't think that's funny?
1: Oh, let me think about well, it. Well, if he was human, he'd Jeez. think it was funny. Yeah. He's, he's like, does not compute. Yeah. Does let, not me,
3: com- let me think about it.
1: Ah! Oh, my gosh. That that might actually end up being your imitation, Brad. You could do, like, the computer fez. Yeah. There's fake fez and computer fez. Oh, you might want to ponder that. All right.
3: make <laughs> me compute.
1: All right, next game. Oh, he could have the computer, could have his own theme music. Yep. And then, like, in season three, the computer could fall in love. Oh, jeez. Yeah, see? Go ahead. Yeah.
3: And uh, next up, (laughs) the new number one, Ohio State Buckeyes at Michigan. The Buckeyes, an eight-and-a-half point road favorite. Power rating for me. Whoa, whoa, eight-and-a-half. Eight-and-a-half.
1: Wow. So what was the line... The look-ahead line most recently.
3: Most recently, last week, the look-ahead line had Ohio State by 9.5. And
1: And um, at the high point, what was it? 13.5, yeah. All right, so first question, what's changed from 13.5? When was that?
3: It was three weeks ago. Ohio State's failed to cover their last couple of games. Although, I mean, it's when they were laying a huge number against Rutgers. So let's
1: be clear. Who have they played since?
3: They have played Rutgers and also uh, last week against Penn State.
1: After Rutgers, did you downgrade them? No. Because you looked at it and said it was a choice, effectively, right? Yep. And against Penn State, did you downgrade them? No. Now, Ken, you've got a different opinion on the—you thought Penn State showed a little weakness in a— in, in the
5: Buckeyes. Yeah, but what I'm watching, R.J., is a dominant performance, Ohio State, and I'm like, Penn State's not even going to score. They got no chance. You would think after they knock out the starting quarterback for Penn State, Clifford goes down, that Ohio State's just going to pile it on, end the game. Exact opposite happens in a three-minute scenario Couple fumbles by Ohio State, but Penn State not only gets the fumbles, Levis, the young quarterback, he's calling his own number. In fact, he ended up rushing the ball 19 times himself. In that game, this is a kid coming off the bench. This kid was tougher than nails. He made a, a fatal mistake by throwing the ball on a third down. He forced a pass that was intercepted by Ohio State and short-circuited a drive inside the red zone there for Penn State. But to see that game change on a dime and a backup quarterback come in for Penn State, it just showed me that Ohio State is vulnerable. Nobody has punched that team in the mouth. That was the first time they really had any type of adversity you know, in, in a football game. It was on their home field. And they had trouble overcoming it, RJ.
1: Okay, a couple of things. One, for the math guys out there, rest assured, everyone knows fumble recoveries in the long run are random. Mm-hmm. I think athleticism, tenacity in the short run can affect things. How engaged are the players in a game? But in general, like recovering fumbles... I think we all agree that, you know, it's not some great skill that you can have or not have.
5: But if you looked at these three fumbles, it's the hard hits, RJ. And Penn State, we know throughout their years, throughout their history, they are a hard-hitting defensive team.
1: Yeah, and and to me, this is one of the real debates in Vegas. Most most Vegas guys are number guys, and the number guys say fumble recovery, fumbles themselves are are very random. The whole ball hawking thing, ah, it's a fantasy. Others say, hey, listen, you know, if it's uh, opportunistic, whatever the words are, some teams in a given season do tend to feel like Miami had the, what was that, the turnover chain? Yeah, the turnover and chain, yep. It feels like when it becomes a conversation that there does get to be a momentum to the yes. turnovers. Now, the question is, if there is, why doesn't it show up in the number? That's the debate. Ken, you're more old school when it comes – To you look at turnovers as not a sign things are going to reverse themselves but something that you expect to continue.
5: Well, only in, in each particular game. I take every single game as an individual play, RJ, so I don't lump them together. Oh, every
1: individual game is an individual game. No, but what, uh, what I'm saying but is... you said I, individual play. You just misspoke. I mean,
5: right. Well, I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is a lot of times people look at numbers overall for the season. Oh, this team's plus 12 in turnovers. Yeah, they might have gotten five of them against Presbyterian in game two. So I don't look at that. I look at who the competition is, when those turnovers happen, and I saw to cause these fumbles, good, solid, hard hits by Penn State. And that changed the game. I mean, this was a game that Ohio State, I didn't think they were going to give up a point, RJ, up until that little two-minute scenario but
1: you actually had penn state as a pick right i
5: did because i just thought 18 and a half is too many to give a team that's not fighting for a ball not fighting for you know just a reputation they're fighting for the playoff Mm. i felt that they still controlled their destiny if they beat ohio state i think they represented this and and ran the table that they could get to the playoff you'd
1: almost have to think they were favored at that point right to get to the playoffs
5: yes oh yeah
1: yeah so this is fascinating so what you're saying ken is before the game you like Penn State. Right. Plus the points. I bet Penn State, yes.
5: During the game, you're like, oh, Penn State might not put up a point. You're right. I, I was ready to just walk out, give you the money. Boom, boom, boom. me the money. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> yeah. Brad and I, yeah, we went head to head. So, Brad,
1: you, I'm sure you have the other perspective. Oh, yeah. So, this is fascinating. We should do, like, uh, it can't be debating yourself, but. And then now with the other position, so don't hold back. Make the case of how lucky Penn State was to cover. Yeah, are you kidding
3: me? It wasn't <laughs> even those couple turnovers in the third quarter, Ken. It was a turnover in the first half. Justin Fields is going into the end zone, fumbles the ball. Penn State recovers. A very fortunate. Otherwise, instead of only being down 21 nothing, you a
1: couple
5: more stat. Where, where did he fumble? It have been... Oh, in the end zone. Okay. Literally in the end zone, like another inch. Yeah, but I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying I thought Ohio State was going to win forty to nothing up until that three minute. Yeah, I'm feeling boom, good. Boom, boom, boom. I yeah. thought I got I, Ken. Why'd you fade the buckeyes? The best exactly. team in the country. I'm you thinking Brad memory. is brilliant. This guy doesn't lose. He's unbelievable. Oh, I lose. No, have you um, listened to this podcast? Well that <laughs> gee, Well that's the yeah. only that's the only solace I, I had yeah. to
1: where I said I was, hey, <laughs> I still have a chance. I was the guy that was if anyone gets credit for seeing the Buckeyes, come on. Right. So let's give Ken some credit. At a time, it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Ken was ahead of the market. Yes. We had an Alabama versus Buckeye bet, or we have. Uh, but, the, you know. Have, we, yeah, I like
5: that. Not uh, have. I know, I know. We <laughs> have it. I'm trying to put it in the back of my mind. I can't lie. I'm the type of son. That you're you're bu- the lucky guy, though, because you're going to lose money, but you don't care at your alma mater is going to win a national championship. It's awesome. Yeah, but we we made it. How much was this? Two hundred thousand? Oh, I don't think it was a thousand. We'll see if you can buy back. We'll, we'll check the tape. I don't <laughs> think it was a thousand. Uh, you know what's I, the greatest? Is that's why people are listening to this <laughs> podcast. There's some of them out there going, "God, RJ's finally going to get the <laughs> bad number." It's awesome. But the it funny, wasn't a bad number oh, at the time. No, it was a great number when he made it. He had the plus, what minus two fifty on Bama. What, what? plus two fifty? The Buckeyes were
3: like eight to one.
1: Right? Yeah, I mean, think about yeah. that. The nation mm-hmm. is listening. Yeah. Think about this. The time you, what it takes to get the best of me, apparently, awesome. <laughs> is taking. You were saying they were eight to one.
3: Buckeyes at that time were eight to one.
1: And Alabama was plus 250. Yes. This is to win the title. Yes. Right? The bet was if Bama wins, I cash. Yeah. If OSU wins, he cashes. And if neither wins, it's no bet. Right. Yes. So effectively, and again, this is with no VIG, so it's a little more complicated. High State had a 12.5% chance. Right. Eight to one or so. And then what? Plus 250 would be 66 and a little bit less. So they had what? uh, 30, a little less than a 30% chance? Yep. Okay. So literally I was, my chance of winning with Alabama was like two and a half times his. Yes. And somehow I'm getting made fun <laughs> of for that. Bet. I guess when you see yeah. the freaking future, like hey. that's
5: exactly what it is. He takes like, a chance. Yeah. You prognosticate, yeah. and you ah! and sometimes sometimes you nail it. And
1: just for the kids out there, and then go get the best number. You don't tell them in a month it's going to be. It'd be like Fez, what do you think this? Oh, uh, you know, some Week 17 game. And I'm like, okay, I'll get, I'll take the Browns. You can have the Patriots. You know, assuming they're playing week, you know. Forget that there could be people arresting their starters. And I'm like, I'll, I'll give you pick them. I'll take the Browns. You'll be like, sold. And then they come, everything goes my way. And at the end, it is pick them. Like, <laughs> like, that's what it had to happen. Yeah. But now it's actually gone past that. Yes. So, what are the current title odds?
3: Current title odds
1: have all. Because I will say, Oregon losing helps Alabama a lot. It
3: certainly does. So, the Buckeyes are right around two to one right now. Alabama 15 to 1. You could have last week found, if you shot pretty hard, Alabama 30 to 1 last week in town here.
1: But you know what this shows, Faz?
3: It shows
0: that Oregon was
3: going to likely
0: get picked <laughs> instead of Alabama. Yeah. Else, why would these odds yeah. have changed? The Alabama win over Western Carolina probably didn't change anything. <laughs> you
5: know what's you know, fun? I, even at 15 to 1, I just throw a little C spot down on Bama. Oh, this he, way, if he, RJ does he, somehow really, win yeah. the I'm bet, uh, if RJ guy. somehow wins the bet, I still make you know, five hundred. Just for
1: everyone's <laughs> wow. sake, do that, please. I will.
5: It's <laughs> for the fun of it.
1: <laughs> wow, that would have been funny if he would have came in and said, "Eh, I got my bet covered. I bet thirty bucks on Alabama, right?" Effectively, yeah. when it was thirty to one. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Oh, you could have had some fun with I that. One. I could have. I can But if you didn't just keep repeating that, apparently gonna, everyone that knows who I am, that you got a good bet on me, you could have thought of that one. <laughs> All right. So, what I'm really hearing is opportunity buck guys here, because really what you're saying, Brad, is you, you think Ohio State's the same team, exactly quality wise, you thought they were two weeks ago. Yes. Now, two weeks ago, was the suspension on the defensive side even resolved? I don't think it was.
3: No, there was still uncertainty at that time.
1: So literally, the Buckeyes have probably effectively improved. Yeah, slightly, yep. Because now the, the chance of Chase Young playing is almost 100%. Yeah, so it's you never know.
3: Yeah, 99.999.
1: Well, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> but very high. Yeah. Where before it was lower. Yep, and he's meaningful because from oh. guys I've heard that that the D line just the evolution. Uh, Buckeyes have uh, as good a D line as there is. In fact. Absolutely, and you might say, well, strength—you remove that, you know, from the strength, no big deal. But sometimes there is that multiplier effect. Yes, and especially we saw when that you got a get... block on li- on yes. the D line. There can be that multiplier, and
3: effect. we saw that against Penn State. He just comes right back in the lineup. Boom, bang, three sacks for Chase Young, like clockwork.
1: I mean, that's a fascinating concept. With, like, certain position groups, if you have a third good guy, it's almost meaningless. Like, if you have three good running backs, what does it really mean, right? But on the line, if you have one elite player, it doesn't really mean much. You double-team him, he's out. Mm -hmm. You got three good, you know, elite, let's say, almost elite and really good. That third guy is going to dominate. Receivers are the same thing. One great receiver. Receiver can't beat a double-team consistently in the NFL. You have three, you have third receivers pretty good. You get the Falcons a couple years ago, right? Yep. That's fine. Like breaking down each group and how uh, dominance and in reverse, how being uh, de- not devastated, but by being really, th- what's the right word? Not devastated, not dilapidated, I was thinking. What, what would it be if a team had decimated? That's what I'm hmm. thinking of. If a team's decimated on the O-line, it is a nightmare. Yep. But that fifth really good lineman or doesn't mean much, right? Just collective. Yeah. And it goes in each direction, and it's different in different position groups. I've never really thought of no, that.
3: No, never heard that.
1: Have you thought of that, Fez? No. I mean, I guess you've been the one that, you know, really started talking about, well, the thing you said this year I've never heard before, which I think is excellent, is just on the same side of the ball, yeah, within a position group you can compensate. But you can't really, you know, let's say you've lost a lot of guys on defense. Well, in theory, if you lost those only some of them and they're in the front seven, what do you do? You do more man-to-man. You let your high-quality, the cover people do their job. But if you then take away one of those cover people, it's only one more injury, and it's in a position group that's not even being bothered, that has its first injury. But on that side of the ball— You can either compensate, especially on defense, by blitzing more, more guys in the box, less guys in the blocks. But you don't have as many moves if you you lose one more player.
0: Exactly. You just don't have the options. You don't have the audibles that you can call to make up for what injuries that you you normally could go ahead and make adjustments for.
1: Yeah. So what do you got in the game, Brad?
3: I'm leaning towards Ohio State here. And let's talk about one matchup edge that Ohio State has. It is their defensive line against a Michigan offensive line that is average. And I was reading a couple articles where they interviewed all the coaches that have faced Michigan so far this season, and Ohio State was a bunch of the big games this week. And they were asked, how would you attack or, or what's your concern about Michigan? And they all said, hey, Michigan's offensive line, certainly not elite. It's average compared to what Michigan has at wide receiver. Shea Patterson's playing well. And and to me, I I just think it's a mismatch there at the line of scrimmage that the Buckeyes
1: are going to take advantage of. So my first thought is... I read nine newspapers a day. My second thought is... Oh, (laughs) jeez. Well, you're telling you? a couple articles, you said. I've been reading a couple, but one topic. I mean, that's, that's next level. My first thought is... I want under Michigan team total. It feels, and if you like Michigan, I think it's Michigan and under. I mean.
5: That's exactly what I put in my write-up. Oh, go, Ken, go. Right. Michigan correlated to the under. First off, it's going to be raining, okay, and uh, you could say we're five days out. It says 75% chance of rain during the game. I think that equates to teams not going to be throwing the ball as much Again, I like the way Michigan's playing, and I had said this a- after the first quarter of the Penn State game. I said I saw a Michigan team that didn't just quit down twenty-one nothing in Happy Valley after one. They fought back, and if Ronnie Bell doesn't drop that last second pass, they have a chance to win that game. And they took that and they ran with it, and they kept playing good ball. And then they dominated Indiana last week in the second half, which I lost money on that. But I'll always watch games to see if it's going to help me make money down the line. I think Michigan's the play here. I said I thought that they had potential in this game. When I saw Ohio State get punched in the mouth when they had the big lead against Penn State, it showed me there's vulnerability. If you can get to fields, if you can get in his face, he may not be this sophomore that we think he is right now. He may still have a little freshman in him to where he may be vulnerable. So while I don't say Ohio State's going to lose the game, I think it's going to be a one-score game back and forth in the weather, and it's a chance for Michigan not only to exercise the demons of beating Ohio State, but a win here can catapult them to who knows where. I mean, I know they have two losses, but they'll win the East, right, Brad? They'd win the tiebreaker. No. Ohio not?
3: State's in no matter what because they have two losses. The Buckeyes only have one. But they, they have a loss to Notre Dame. Wait, who has a loss to Notre oh, I'm Dame? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. Wisconsin and Penn State are or Michigan's, yeah, Michigan's
1: losses. So really what we're saying is, Ken
5: – Okay.
1: Yeah, because I think Ken wouldn't have a like on Michigan if he didn't think they could. Tr- now, I'm joking. No, no, because, no I
5: still have. No, I, I'm I, vi- joking because no, obviously no, Michigan's
1: I, hyper motivated, mm-hmm. right? So I think you're fine. I'm going with it. I just don't understand I, what I mean. I'm going against Ken, I'm going with the Buckeyes because I don't understand what's changed from 13. Meaning I at mean, Michigan,
3: Michigan upgrades
1: from it, it, what's happened in that. Let's look at the games. What's happened in those games. And there's only been two, right? Yeah. Right?
3: So Michigan's dominated Michigan state. They're laying. Which
5: right.
1: is meaningless pretty much.
5: <laughs> no, it's meaningful for Harbaugh. Of course, you know, to beat. Michigan. Well, yeah. State. But what I'm saying is. What, and, and pound them because of what happened a couple of years ago when they lost the game on the fluke punt.
3: Yeah, they did cover by three touchdowns. And then last week laying 10 on the road. Money came in on Michigan all week long. And beat up Indiana, been covered by a couple touchdowns.
1: So how much have you upgraded Michigan in that time? About three points. There's no about. How much did you upgrade them? Take your time. Because to me, three points off of that? I don't even understand. I mean, we know they can beat up inferior teams. Like, this seems like the Texas A&M thing in reverse, (laughs) right? Is Michigan—in fact, yeah— is Michigan's able to? Harbaugh has the will to to run it up. They're a bully. They're a bully.
5: But uh, RJ, and forgive me for screwing up before, but they didn't just beat Notre Dame. They buried Notre Dame, and that's a pretty good Notre Dame team we're seeing further down the line. I mean, they buried. But we Notre
1: knew Dame. that when the, the line was thirteen. Right? I mean, like to me, yeah. I like that yeah. in two weeks we're zeroing in on effectively. I mean, the line right now is eight and a half.
5: Yeah.
3: Right? Two and a half points is what I upgraded them. How much? Two and a half points.
5: Okay. So. You're right, RJ. If, 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 Penn, if Ohio State continues on the road that they looked like they were going to be on to where they're going to be Penn State 38 to three or whatever, you're right. It, it, it probably it, goes to 14.
1: Yeah. And to me, that's the interesting point. And maybe not just because I do think that objectively you got to upgrade Michigan for the last two uh, games. Yes. But the idea of the downgrade of Penn State. Or, oh, I'm sorry. The downgrade in Ohio State off the Penn State game just doesn't make a lot of I sense. I agree to me. with that.
3: I mean, if you look at the box score, plus 12 first downs, plus two hundred yards in the game, killed uh, Penn State at the line of scrimmage. It came down to three turnovers for Ohio mm-hmm. State. Did him in.
1: And when you say did a in, well, did
3: him in against the
1: spread against a team that was the eighth best team, yes, in the football at least according yeah. to the rankings. And they and what were the net turnovers at the end?
3: Minus two teams that are minus two in turnovers in college football last 40 years only cover 25% of the time now and only win about 25% of the time. What I
1: would be interested in? Oh, that's interesting because in college you'd have to say if you're favored by over two touchdowns, how close are you to the spread? If you're minus two might even be a a greater more. That's an interesting question because sometimes those turnovers will perk up the team. That's the much, much better team and they can make out them real quick. But when you're only favored by 18, which is, you know, not where you can name your score.
3: Teams that are minus two in turnovers typically lose by 13 points per game.
1: So what's interesting is ultimately you consider, I mean, to the hundredth of a point, all the factors. And you say <laughs> there's a aftermath to this game. Yeah. And you said after the Penn State game, the aftermath is no adjustment. Yep. You said for Michigan over those two games, two and a half points up. Yep. Obviously, you'd be looking at ten and a half the line at that point. I
3: thought the line was going to come ten. People were asking me about it before the line got released. I'm like, oh, I gotta think well, Ohio. Since...
1: It actually opened ten. It was quick. Yeah, that I was die. thinking.
3: Yeah, I was ten. Ten and a half seemed very reasonable to mm-hmm. me. I'm surprised with the early money on Michigan.
1: So let me ask you this, Ken. And I get it. You're not a numbers guy as much, which I respect. That approach, I respect, the non-number... Yours, mine, I wouldn't have anyone on the pot I didn't respect. You must think this line should be seven. Because if the line's eight and a half, which it is, and you like Michigan, you think the line should be seven. Or, you know, and I know you don't really think like that. Like, what would you make the line?
5: I think think the line is fair where it's at. Seven and a half or eight, I would make it. All right, so
1: that... that, and, And again, this is just we talk about games differently because when I think about where well, the line should be, uh, let's say eight, if the line's eight and a half, there's no chance I like it because I think right. the line's right. How do you think about it? Like, like Yeah, that's probably the best way. Cause I, okay, any, so any, I, any, any way I ask the question will kind of try to shove you in one direction. I just
5: want to hear no, what you do. No, I'm, I'm an eye test. Out of all your handicappers that you have, RJ, I am an eye test guy more than anybody. I mean, I don't look at all these numbers and crunch them all together like Fez does or Brad does or power ratings. I watch every single freaking game, and I watch them back, and when there's games that I'm putting my money so on... You, you'll, watch, I, you'll watch a big game more than once. Oh, yeah. I, I DVR probably wow, that's 30 games, and during the week when everybody's working and doing their jobs, I'm watching games back, even though I'm getting ready for radio shows, things like that. I constantly have them on, and I like to listen to each broadcast individually so I can pick up stuff that comes from the broadcast that I would not get from just watching it with no sound, watching 10 games that once, mm. which is sometimes what we do on Saturdays because we want to pay attention to everything live time. I want to go back and in case there's something that I miss, whether it's college basketball, college football, I feel that I pick up a lot of stuff that way. So I'm looking at Michigan as the way they've played since that first quarter against Penn State as a team that's on the rise. Yes, they're inferior talent-wise against Ohio State in several positions. And if I just looked at athletes against athletes, Ohio State's got more dominant athletes. There's no doubt in my mind. But I like the way this team's clicking as a college football team no, right I, now. And they're gaining confidence. They're at home. So as long as they don't screw it up to where the crowd says, oh, no, not this crap again, which may happen. Which I think is
1: an interesting point. If you do like Michigan, I think you almost got to bad – I think you almost got to bet the money line. Oh, okay. Yeah. I meaning, say early. meaning, if it's a tight game, who gets tighter? Maybe the Buckeyes do because they they have been in one.
3: I was concerned well, with the Penn yeah. State game. That's when I was like, "Oh no, they might lose this game." They have not been punched in, in the mouth when it got twenty-one seventeen. There, I'm like, "How are they going to react?" I did like what I saw from them from that point forward.
1: Plus, the stakes are you know, Listen, we can speculate. High State lose the Michigan. They're still in the championship game. They win that when they're in. Yeah. But let's be candid. High State has not received the yes. preferential.
3: You have not heard team. that narrative like you've heard that narrative. Oh, LSU
5: can lose a game and still make That's it. That's right. Yes. And so all of a sudden, RJ, your Alabama bet, you'd be rooting for LSU. It all comes no, listen back to yeah. that. No, because you'd be rooting for Georgia so hard against LSU to keep Alabama out uh, uh, potentially and keep Ohio State in the top four. But hold on a second. I lose if Ohio State wins, yeah, you don't, not, not the money. Don't worry about it. Oh. <laughs> throw, throw, throw the money. He's away. trying to throw me yeah. way yeah. off. <laughs> I'm just no, because it is. It's crazy that all of a sudden Ohio State, if they lose this game, there is no guarantee that they're in the playoff.
1: I gotta be honest. I hear you. I think the fact that when we just started the show, they put Ohio State out at one.
5: Right. I think there's pro- an eighty percent
3: chance.
1: I think it's a good sign. Yes. That they. But let's get back to it's a tight game at the end. Hypothetically. The Buckeyes are playing for a a spot in the playoffs effectively, though they could make it otherwise. Michigan's not. So they both want to win. I think there's more pressure on a high State in that spot.
3: And look, Ryan Day has checked. You agree with that? I totally agree with that. And look, Ryan Day has checked every single box, but in a rivalry game coming down to the final Mm -hmm. possession, do we really know how he's going to call a game? I I don't. I don't have that data You know,
1: that's a great point. It's one thing for a team not to have had a close game. The head coach hasn't had a close game. Yep. He's a rookie. And we've said this in the NFL and straight out of Vegas today. The skill set that made McVay seem like a great coach was not the full head coaching skill set. As we're starting to see that, maybe it's a problem. Nagy, same thing. He was a glorified offensive coordinator, it seemed. And that sounds a little too negative. From what I what you could see on the outside, he certainly was checking the boxes of being a great play caller, OC. Yep. But what about the other roles of a head coach? Well, I think with Chicago, we've seen as the the criticisms increased. It doesn't feel like Nagy's handled that too well. I agree. So now, question marks for Ohio State. And I also think there's a real chance Buckeyes run out on this game. Because let's be honest, if they do get up 21
5: Oh yeah. Then the crowd is gonna say that, oh, same old Michigan.
1: And and you're also gonna feel the players thinking, oh my God, we yeah. gotta deal with Harbaugh for a month from here. Yeah. I mean you're there's gonna be a visceral reaction. So Faz, how let's assume you like Michigan. Do you get at it from the money line? You know, I don't think so. Because I think the pressure I think great
0: points about the pressure on Ohio State and even better points about Ryan Day and not being in that um situation. Brad. But the pressure on Michigan is enormous here. I mean, think about this game. If Michigan wins, it defines their season. Their season is a success. Mm -hmm. If they lose, the decade is lost with um, Harbaugh. It's that important, and I don't trust Michigan.
1: But here's the difference. I'm just thinking if they lose the game, so you're saying the only time this matters, because if Ohio State wins big, it doesn't matter. If somehow Michigan wins big, it doesn't matter. What it matters is late in the game, if they're one score away from winning. So that means a close game, if you're betting the money line, it means they could be down 11 or even, yeah, you know, 11, 12, 10, 13. That's the one score. So we're thinking about will they either hold it or it could go the other way where Ohio State is uh, Michigan's up by six. Do they stop them? Or it could be a, a situation where Michigan is up by three. Do they stop? Meaning, whatever direction one score either way goes, you're going to move the center line of that if to zero to, to you know the winner if it's a money line and to you know the eight and a half. I feel like Michigan around the zero. I can clearly point out the downside. Of Michigan getting beat big and, and those points not really mattering. What is the downside for Michigan or the upside for Ohio State around a close game? I mean, I, I guess I see it where Michigan is better off in a close game because they're not down on themselves. You're saying, what you're. I hear you saying is the pressure's so high in a close game because of what? Because it's going to define their season. You think if they really lose by one? In a barn burner, that doesn't give him something, Michigan?
0: I don't think so. They've lost too many games against the Buckeyes. They've yeah. lost too many big games. The, um, the media is all over Harbaugh. And wins against Indiana and Michigan State are nice, but that's not going to overcome the criticism.
1: Yeah. I think you got a point there. You know what else? Michigan has lost some close games to High State. Yeah. I mean, in recent years, Harbaugh. So maybe there, there, there's going to be like, here we go again yeah. in a close game. So, really, effectively, we spent a good bit of time saying you can't bet Michigan, really. There's no spot you really want him here, Ken.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Ken. Already got him. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and the under. Correlated. No, I do like yeah. that. What else we got? Faz, I haven't heard much from you on this. Yeah,
0: so if you're going to bet the under, you got a critical possible number here because Michigan's going to be lined 20 to 20.5 20 total points. And if you can get an under 20.5 instead of an under 20, only sounds like a half point. But that's, uh, that's,
1: I think it is a half point.
0: It's worth more than uh, the vigorous. Um, so getting a hook on a 20 on a team total, that is a huge half point.
1: And why not just go for a 21?
7: Yeah. The,
0: you know, it's interesting because the 20 and a half is, that's interesting. I don't know which is worth more in college. I know in the pros, the 20 and a half is worth more than the 21. But um, hmm. but the 21 isn't going to materialize based upon, the, the numbers say it should be about so,
1: 20.2. So the team total is what? It's not oh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, the, the full game total. 49. All right, so 49. So if we do the math, we're saying effectively Ohio State's supposed to win 29 to 20.
0: You know, correction, it's 50. It's 50.
1: Okay. So we're moving towards potential. So if it gets up yeah. to what, it would be 21, you think? Yes,
0: yeah, so if it goes to
3: 51. It, I don't think it is, though.
1: But, but you think it's going to drop yeah. with the weather. Well, first off, if we know, here's what we know. If we knew what it was going to do, it would have done it already, All right? I mean, because mm. the market is accounting for that. Now, I'm not saying that in the NFL you you can't predict, because Faz, you got a good history of doing that. All right, any any other thoughts?
3: No, well, I just want to lay it out that Michigan has not beat Ohio State, an Ohio State team with a permanent head coach, permanent, not an interim, permanent head coach since 2003. They'd be 0
1: 14. I'm surprised they won then. That that seems like it would have been longer.
3: It was only by a touchdown. It was a Buckeye team that finished six and seven. The worst Buckeye team that had the most losses in over (laughs) a Yeah, next up, Cincinnati at Memphis. Right now, Memphis an eleven point home favorite. Pure power rating for me has Memphis by eight point
1: eight. All right, double like double like Ken on Memphis. Brad on Memphis. Brad.
3: Yep, I I like the Tigers here and, and it's more of a play against an overrated Cincinnati team. This is remarkable. Cincinnati in their last 7 games has been outgained in 6. 6 of their last 7, yet Cincinnati 7 and 0 straight up. And, and it's just not like they've been outgained by 10 yards or whatever. Minus one fifty one against East Carolina won the game. Minus one sixty against South Florida won the game. Why did South Florida missed four field goals? Minus one hundred last week against Temple. Why did Cincy win by two? They blocked the point after attempt and returned it back for two points. That was the two point difference. This we talk about games decided by seven points or less. How about this? Cincinnati's four and zero this year in games decided by three points or less. This is an overrated team. The worry that I have here is all this overrated might be built into the number here and the fact Cincinnati doesn't really have great motivation. They, they lose this game. They're still in the, the American Athletic Conference championship game next week. Memphis win and they're in type of situation. Lose and they're most likely out. The fact that my power rating is only 8.8. This line is 11. That's why it's not best bet material, but I still like Memphis here.
1: Okay, but wait a minute. Memphis is lane 11. Yeah. 11. Your power ratings, which is the sum of all knowledge. At no, least at least your knowledge. Is, yeah. Yeah. About how good a team what else yeah. could it measure yeah. is saying that <laughs> Memphis is only eight point let's call it nine to keep it simple. Nine points better. Yeah. Now if you had the hundredth in there, I would throw that in. But no. <laughs> no, just a tenth. I'm just objecting to that. So you got to think that your factors, other, and it can't be anything about how good Cincinnati yeah. is or not, because but that that's should be built into yeah, the power rating. It is. meaning that there's two the two numbers that tell us if a team's overrated or not. It's one number because it's a subtraction between two, and this is something we got to keep drawing home because I think we're even sloppy with it. What's in the power rating? After that, those factors are done. Now, what else is there? So what else is there, Brad Powers, with all the college knowledge, but that knowledge is in your number for the most part. What is it that says, okay, Memphis, you're only supposed to be laying nine. I'm going to think, should I lay nine? Yeah. Should I lay 10? Yeah. Or why? Should I lay 11? Yeah. But really, you're saying effectively this line should be 13. If you like a team at minus eleven, <laughs> what's the line it's supposed to be?
3: Thirteen,
1: especially not, you know around yeah. those unkey numbers. So now you got to explain to me how there's four points of external factors <laughs> outside of the power ratings that make you like Memphis
3: because this could be just a laydown game for Cincinnati and okay. it could be so something that's quanti- worth. The,
1: how do we quantify? I it? think
3: it, there, there's that there's probably a thirty percent chance this. This factor is worth at least a touchdown.
1: That's interesting. A thirty percent chance. So if you just do the math, you're saying it's worth a little more than two points. Yeah, that still only gets you halfway there. But let's talk about that a second. When did Cincinnati's stakes in this game? When was it clearly defined that they were low? Meaning, last week when there was a look ahead line for this game, was it thought that Cincinnati might have something? I didn't to play see
3: for? a look ahead line for this game. But be, it, that it would changed. be a way to rea- figure out. Yeah, you're right. Because the, the reality is that there, this game meant a lot less after Cincinnati won that game last week.
1: Okay, so you're saying if there was a look-ahead even from last week, now if it was a really smart look-ahead, it would have accounted for the yeah. fact. But I don't think they look that no, deep No, they yet don't. So, so, Brad, it looks like you found it, that this week's look-aheads? Yeah,
3: d- did not see this game as part of the look-ahead. And, and there was 22 Wait, games. Wait, when you say did not
1: see, they're not in the look They're
3: not in the look-ahead.
1: Hmm. And there are t- two top 20 teams. Yes. Hmm. For Vegas. <laughs> Do a lot of things right, but, man, there's some dum-dums running these books. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Would you say that's true, Faz? Even a Northwestern grad can look down at their intellects?
0: Well, I don't want to, like, forego the bologna sandwiches, but, uh, yes, I agree. <laughs>
5: Go, KT, go. All right, let me go with Memphis. I like this team a lot, RJ. I think this is an offense that is head and shoulders above Cincinnati. And Cincinnati has been skating by, by the skin of their teeth. Hey, that's a good team that finds ways to win games they probably shouldn't. But four of them, by three points or less, they've gotten them. What, what, what you guys talk about, the plus eight and turnovers is coming to play in a bunch of those games, but this Memphis team, Brady White to me is one of the more prolific passers, drop back passers, gets the ball out there, and then when they thought they were in trouble at the beginning of the year when they lost their starting running back, a young man, Kenneth Gainwell, stepped up. This guy's got 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground. He's got another three via the airwaves. He's a great dual threat. Coxie and Gibson, these two guys have combined for 15 touchdowns. They are two of the better receivers as far as a receiver tandem that you'll see in The country, I think Memphis offense so wide open is going to eventually break Cincinnati's decent defense down enough that they're going to get separation. The crowd's going to be into it. RJ, this is only Memphis's fourth home game of the year. They have played seven road games. This is huge. They have not lost at home, and I expect them to take care of business, open this thing up, win this thing big by double digits, two touchdowns plus.
1: So, Ken, that's an interesting point. When you have a disproportionate number of road games teams tend to be underrated because you're not getting your fair share of home games. So the overall season doesn't look as good as it would if you did. You agree
5: with that? I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's kind of surprised me, Brad, that that you can have that. And that's where I wonder what, why doesn't the NCAA step up on some of this stuff to, you know, to have balance these schedules out. I know teams. Do you think the homes.
3: NCAA cares about Memphis no, having, getting exactly. six, seven home games. Only no, Alabama Only if Alabama's they, only if they
5: supplied the shrimp. Yeah. For the various
1: functions. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
3: let me ask you this, Ken, because right now the market is kind of almost treating us like Cincinnati doesn't have the motivation while Memphis does. And to lay this out, Memphis wins, Memphis hosts Cincinnati next week in the AAC championship game. If Cincinnati loses, they're still in no matter what. But if Cincinnati wins, then Cincinnati hosts the championship game next year, most likely against Navy. The market says Cincinnati right now with this line being 11 says they don't have much motivation at all.
5: Where do you fall on it? No, I agree with that. And I think Memphis has all the motivation and this has been a dream year pretty much for the Memphis Tigers. And they found ways to win a couple of games. They probably should have lost, including a Tulsa game where they pulled that out by a point on the road. So I just like this offense a lot more than I like Cincinnati's. I thought at the beginning of the year, when I watched Cincinnati with Des Ritter, I said, this team's going to be exciting. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to be dominant on both sides of the ball. The record looks great, but man, I have not been impressed with this team. But they have found ways to win. But I think Memphis is going to get too much separation.
1: And now, a word from Martellus Bennett, a professor at the Dosakis College Football Football College.
2: Hey, college football fans, been in here. Do you want to win every football argument this season, dominate every debate, become a pigskin prodigy? Then enroll in a Dosecki's College Football Football College where you'll learn from football insiders like me, Jay Cutler, Katie Nolan, and Arthur John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dosecki's College Football Football College at backslash edu
3: Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019, Dos Equis Beer Brands. Official beer sponsor of the college football playoff.
1: Finally, there's a football beer school for me. Thanks, Martellus.
5: Now back to R.J. Bell's
1: Dream Preview.
3: Yeah, next up, Virginia Tech at Virginia. Right now, Virginia Tech, a a two-and-a-half point road favorite.
1: Now we have a crossfire here. We've got Fezic and Ken on one side and little old Brad Powers on the other. Fez started off.
0: All right, Virginia Tech, I like them. Virginia Tech is undervalued. This team is peaking four and0 against the spread. Three and one. Excuse me, four0. Four0 straight up, three and one against. I don't hear the confidence. Four and0 against the spread, three and one straight up. I had a typo, the one loss. Of course to the Irish where Virginia Tech played very well. And lost by one. But this team has had a fundamental change. What has happened? Actually, two fundamental changes. That quarterback, Hooker, came in the dual threat. And since the Miami game, the Virginia Tech offense has been much better. But their defense has been much better as well. And their defense is peaking. How good has that defense for Tech been the last two games Back-to-back shutout wins. I know it was against Georgia Tech, but it was also against Pittsburgh. So I've got a team that has more confidence playing better on offense and their defense is playing the best ball that they played all year long. But early in the year, Virginia Tech struggled. So if you look at their underlying stats for the year, the team doesn't look nearly as good as the current team is with Hooker at quarterback.
3: I am on the other side. And to me, it's one of my biggest power Rankings plays of the week. I have Virginia favored. Virginia by three point one here to me the market you're paying a premium now in virginia tech because of those back-to-back blowout shutout wins the last couple of weeks 45 nothing georgia tech 28 nothing against pittsburgh i'll i'll give you this fez that there is a tangible difference your two reasons one hendon hooker quarterback has been good and, and two the fact that this team it is tangible they are playing lights out for the outgoing defensive coordinator bud foster with all that being said Virginia's got the best player on the field in their quarterback, Bryce Perkins. Virginia, in my opinion, has the better head coach in Bronco Mendenhall. And this is a Virginia team that has let this game slip through their grass time and time again. In fact, they've lost 15 straight times to Virginia Tech. A lot of these games going down on the wire. To me, Virginia is the team. Virginia Tech, you're paying too much for a premium. I like oh, hold Virginia. on a
0: second. Hold the phone. Go ahead, first. So let me get this straight. Your handicap... Is that your team has lost fifteen straight times? So that's why you like them.
1: No, that was good. A little bit, it's too, not, a little it's too not, much snark at the end, but you were almost there. It's not the word "do."
3: It's people understand that Virginia Tech is down. Oh, Virginia Tech beats Virginia every year, and they're only laying two, two and a half. Well, I got to stop Virginia that's Tech. That's crazy
1: talk. Who in the f knows how many <laughs> times Virginia and Virginia Tech? I don't even know these schools exist. If it wasn't that's for true, Ralph right? Sampson.
3: Fair enough. So? Well, I think the people betting early in the week, no. Okay. Betting college football, you know that Virginia Tech beats Virginia every year.
1: Okay. So what you're saying is the line open, pick them. I'm just going to be perfect. I got a shitty handicap here. I'm (laughs) just playing my numbers. Okay. But that's that's the thing. Yeah. And this is where breaking down again. Yeah. uh, What a power rating is. Listen, situational factors. I think it's a toss-up. You can make the case one way. You can make the case the other. But the number's wrong. Why? And then you got to explain your power rating. I've been high on Virginia all year. I don't get the angst in the
3: marketplace for Virginia. This Their season win total was seven. I gave out a video on pregame in this studio over the season win total in Virginia. They've already cashed it. They've won eight games. They've exceeded expectation in, in almost every single measure. And yet,
1: this. Well, but that's talking about in the past how they were relative to expectations. Yes. Do you feel like that even though they've exceeded expectations up to now, the market's still cheap? I, mean, I think it's must. Still- because your power ratings say so. But if you get inside the number, I mean, the power ratings are not magic, right? If anyone yeah. understands how they're created, it's the creator. Yes. So why do you think that you're. And I don't like saying you're higher in Virginia because that implies you're wrong and somehow the market's right. But we'll figure out good terminology for that. What is it that has you power rating Virginia higher?
3: It's their quarterback, Bryce Perkins. I, you know, coming in the season, I thought he was one of the most underrated players in the country. And I've seen nothing in the first 11 games that doesn't say this guy isn't a top 10, top 12 quarterback.
1: And the, the numbers, you, and remember, Vegas as a collective, the marketplace does not put out power ratings. So when we say the market is lower on a team than you, that's something that is imputed from the line. So would yep. you say, you know what, we've been talking about different ways to use your power ratings. You know what else would be interesting? Is having a team's plus minus your number versus the closing number, or even the opening and the close, just to see if the line moves or moving, you know, yes. what your CLV is for your power <laughs> ratings. Ah, closing line value. Yeah. But let's just say the the closer against your numbers, and you could say, well, this team has consistently, uh, you know, the market's down three points on this team. Yes, three yeah. points
3: would be it. I've been about three points higher on average in Virginia, even Every, last like week, game in and game almost out. game in game out. Even last week, market said seventeen against Liberty. Pure power rating for me had it twenty and a half. What did I do after Virginia won and covered the game? Won the game by four touchdowns. I mean, I kept my obviously kept my power rating the same. There wasn't anything phony about the so game. You, you
1: didn't upgrade at that point. Just a, like a small
3: smidge, nothing—a like hundredth of a point, <laughs> maybe a tenth or two. <laughs> All
1: right, so <laughs> it would be funny if you just see Brad starting off in the space. Say, what do you, what do you think about that? And it's like, well, I'm thinking of upgrading Virginia. <laughs> And yep. I just don't know—is it eleven hundredths of a point, or is it twelve hundredths of a point? Huh. I'll get back to you. <laughs> tell, tell ESPN New York to hold. I'm. <laughs> is that? I mean, do you find yourself staring? I mean, no. this could. Let's be candid. This could explain some of your relationship issues. Ooh, it or it could can't. help. It could help your um. Your staying power. You know what I'm We're saying? I say, think about baseball. Yeah. You ever hear that? Uh huh. I think that's from the seventies. Fez is oh, really? like, I heard of that. Really? It was a tip for you know men as they entered adulthood, with uh, with let's say intimacy. Oh, think about baseball.
0: Don't spill the milk.
1: Holy crap! I've never heard yeah. that before. Don't spill the milk, Fez. Please don't ever say that. Oh, wow.
2: Oh, okay, I just, now I, I'm I finally. Just, re- just I just wretched.
6: That's horrible.
2: Oh my
1: god. Don't ever say that again you're in your next contract there's gonna be a ten thousand dollar fine. Wow you know what's <laughs> you know what's funny He said that so knowingly. you know how it's like if imagine if someone was sitting here that had an amputated arm I mean just chopped off and you never ever asked them right because how could you if they don't bring it up yeah how'd you lose the wing buddy no you're not going to say that. Right, but imagine how'd you lose the wing, buddy? <laughs> My goodness! Yeah, I mean that's a way you could say it. Yeah. You had a way with words. I could see you saying, yeah. <laughs> "No, no, no." no. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no. I only, not someone I didn't know. You yeah. know, I, you know, I showed them a facile respect. It might not be necessarily sincere. No, but follow me here because this is going to hit home. it has got the clipped wing. He hasn't said a word. It's like three months. You've seen him weekly. Let's say he's part of the. He's a janitor with the one arm. So that's even worse, right? He's working at half pace at best. <laughs> he rides a bus to
6: school
3: every
1: No, 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 janitor. no, no. Everyone with one arm yeah. isn't destitute. Yeah, And by the way, every janitor isn't destitute. There's some that are writing novels. I'm serious. Like, think about through history, like Kafka... Uh, I mean, Van Gogh, though, he didn't want to work. There's a lot of great artists that had straight jobs. Einstein, when he wrote the three papers, they called the miracle year when he was like 26, 27. He had three papers that changed physics, like literally fundamentally. And he was still a clerk at the time, a patent clerk, if I recall. So you might look at that patent clerk with the Mm -hmm. funny hair and make fun of him, Brad. I wouldn't. I'd say I could be the next Einstein, except, you know, it was Einstein. Because I used the theory of relativity to go. No, no. (laughs) The janitor's walking, got the clipped arm. And somehow, some way, someone says, you know something? I thought about cutting grass on the second floor with a lawnmower because there's some grass out on my... Balcony or something, this is stupid from here, but something. Imagine that, in fact, instead of me trying to come up with something on the fly, just imagine some scenario that you could imagine someone losing their arm. Oh, don't <laughs> you get it finally, because you know, you shouldn't laugh silently. <laughs> It's very funny. <laughs> I mean, it's, if it's so funny, you're holding your stomach. Uh-huh. Maybe let the crowd. I, I was like, no idea what the lawnmower thing was. And now was, you do, right? Yeah. Okay. And but imagine it's about jumping trains, and someone. I tell you, my son's been jumping trains, <laughs> and you know, it's. Like, I I know it's fun, but I I just am worried. And in the same tone, Fez <laughs> said, "Don't spill <laughs> the milk." Is that dude turns with yeah. the one arm and says, "Oh no, don't yeah. allow your. Do not jump those trains." <laughs> There's some line there that yeah. would have really explained. I didn't hit the home run there. Fez is knowing way of saying, don't spill the milk. Some truth, Fez? Yes. Oh! Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Girl, too much information. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you ever wondered about Fez's candor, don't wonder anymore, except with a man this skilled at manipulation at deception you got to wonder if he figures you know the way to ingratiate myself to these humans the way to make it seem like i'm candid is be candid with something that you know a normal human would really be defensive about and they figure wait a minute i would never admit spilling the milk and he just did who what man would want to admit that he must be honest that's the that could be the plan, right? Yep. Any comment, Faz? No comment. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. And the whole milk thing changes yeah. though. dirty clean up. Yeah. Ugh. Oof. Is there any way to press the green button against spilling the or? <laughs> Mackenzie, do me a favor. We're yeah. now recording, as you know, four separate tracks. Correct
7: yeah yeah
1: we're gonna be able because the whole spill of the milk was it remember when I we were thinking about paying for the four separate tracks I'm like you know what I envision Fezzik saying something classic and everyone's oh, yeah. laughing and he, he just slips it in and spill the milk yeah and at some point he says something but we can't use it because it's obscured no, by all no the last we have to isolate that exactly you got okay. that written Yeah, yeah, I got it. All right, explain it to sleep, A to Z. All right, we'll do. See, a little behind the scenes here, how we get all the... Listen, if it wasn't for this kind of thinking, we might not have this. And I got to be honest, it all all ties in. Listen close. Wore the cowboy boots,
0: cowboy hat, walked around. A lot of action that week, a
1: lot of action. You see the connection, bro? Yeah. You know something? I got to hear... That's one of the nice things of having almost a half million listeners in a week. I guess it's a college, so it's, you know, we'll we'll say a little more in a quarter. Text or message me at RJ in Vegas on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Have you ever heard the phrase spill the milk in that context? Because I'm just interested. I've never heard. I've been around the freaking block. Who are we kidding? Never heard it. Brad, you grew up on a I farm, so that, no. who knows? H- Mackenzie, had you heard it? No, I didn't even get it at first. It took me a second. Well, that's him saying, oh, that, that concept is so far from my even consciousness. I don't- <laughs> it's almost like, like someone that's 400 pounds saying, I don't think of running a decathlon. You know, it's like he's, he's really yeah. given a hint. That's an alpha play there. It was very obvious, but...
0: uh
5: I believe the fifth on this one.
1: (laughs) And what's funny is, this mofo, you grew up on the streets of Chicago? Is that true? Oh, yeah. I I mean, the murder capital of the world.
7: Yep, got jumped when I was 17, but you should have seen the other guy. Not really.
1: Boy, that sounds like Bernie Friday. I think you've been listening to too much (laughs) Bernie on Saturday. I mean, that was a Bernie, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, you hear that? I I just came up with this today. Bernie's going to, every week, he's going to come in, and he's going to record sports, Cliches. Now, follow me here. Let's use um. Let's, what's a uh, what's a good cliche? Because I don't speak in cliche. No, uh, defense no. wins championships. Right? Yeah. What were you gonna say?
3: I was gonna say the only prevent defense. The only thing that prevents you is from winning.
1: Uh, yeah, that's fine. I am yeah, not sure it fits champions. this one, but here's what he's gonna do. <laughs> he's gonna have a list of ten a week. I don't. Even, I'm not even gonna tell him which ones yeah. I'm gonna use or not. And, In fact, I don't even know. I just got to hear his intonation, and he's going to say, "Like, let's use defense wins championships." Hello, everybody. This is, and this is his voice now. He's got the classic radio announcer's voice, but more that it's like a guy who grew up wanting to be an announcer, never did, and then when he got a chance, thought back to how, as a kid, the announcer sounded. And this is a common thing now. People, when they write marketing emails that aren't typical marketers and they're starting their own business they think how do i how does a marketer sound and what ends up happening is they become the worst version of a marketer because it's the cliche of like the salesman that walks up and shakes hands and looking you in yeah. the eye it's like there's something about that that's if you do that so on the nose it feels even less genuine right so announcers are the same way good announcers typically have good voices but they don't sound like Ted Baxter i don't you know i don't even have, i can't even do it that's not a good thing either if you're a professional broadcaster. So here's my invitation, but here's what we're going to do. Hello, everyone. I'm Bernie Frado from Straight Out of Vegas Weekend Edition. And there will be a, a pause, but not too much of a pause. And this one might be too short, actually, but it will be some very – oh, you had the one about – okay. Um, back to Bernie. The only thing that prevent defenses prevent is winning – like, very almost William Shatner-esque, Lucy mm. in the Sky with Diamonds, dramatic reading. If you're not familiar, check it out. Where it's like Shatner trying to get out of the Star Trek, and it's the early 70s. <laughs> Have you heard this before? No. Yeah. It, it is, um, you know, actually, why don't we just slip it in real quick here, a, a minute, or 10 seconds of it, because it's too good to pass up.
0: Unlike consoles, Stadia doesn't take up any
5: space.
6: Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you,
4: you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green towering over
1: your head. The girl All right, mercy. <laughs> but, like, the beginning, of that, that had more music than I remember. I thought it was like a dramatic poetry reading is how I remembered it. But, you know, when he goes in, marmalade, Scott. Imagine Bernie just doing a hundred of these over the course of a year, but ten versions of each. We're going to get some amazing, amazing sardonic Like, it's going to feel like, yeah, it it is good. Let's just say, trust me. Just trust me. It's going to be great. What's your gut instinct, Brad? Do you see it? I do. I do see it. What do you see?
3: I'm just trying to think when we're going to put it in.
1: Oh, so here's a perfect example. Let's say that we think, because here's when we're going to use it. Those aphorisms, those cliches, you know why they're cliches? A lot of freaking truth to them. Right, If someone tried to make a cliche, run every day and you'll get fat, it's not going to stick yeah, because it's not freaking true. yeah. So a cliche is identified as a cliche because people are sick of hearing it, but it's still the truth. Bad yeah.
3: teams find a way to lose. Yeah,
1: there's some truth there. I could see that when, right?
3: when we're stating the obvious.
1: Yeah, but sometimes we're going to embrace the obvious. Yeah. But if you do it with a wink, yeah. you're letting everyone know, it's a cue to the audience, hey, we're in on the joke that this is sometimes overused. But it's true, we think, in this case. Yeah. Right? And we could, I could explain that, or you could hear, hello, everyone, I'm Bernie Frada. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's almost going to be like on The Simpsons. Remember when they uh, Troy McClure would come in? Hi,
3: I'm Tro- Troy McClure. You it, might remember me from exactly. such films. Yeah.
1: Is that was great. <laughs> well, that's gonna be. We're gonna make Bernie a folk here. All right, I like that. Yes, you, you follow. I it? see it now. Big uh-huh. time. <laughs> and I've got a couple levels I don't want to disclose. I think it's gonna work because of what we're gonna do. I'll I'll disclose this. We're gonna start throwing in two other things. One is gonna be like song lyrics, but song lyrics that are on point. So let, here's one I've always enjoyed. Because it's kind of got an inside element to it. You know the song Manic Monday? Yep. Everybody knows that. Fez, do you know that song? Yes. Can you sing the chorus? Just another Manic
0: Monday. (laughs) Wish it was Sunday. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) I
1: I got it. Oh, tag it. Double tag it. This would be great. Whenever Fez is struggling on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) that, That was good. That was good. Uh, we might have to get you drunk and just... I mean, I, I, I'm going to start compiling my list of dream fast quote. But there's a great line in that song that says, if I had an airplane, I still wouldn't make it on time. It's buried in there. And yeah. what's interesting is Prince wrote that song. The, really? The Great Prince. Wow, I did not know that. It's a little... Well, it's, I don't know little little, but it's a, once he died, there was all these articles on... Songs you don't know Prince wrote, right? So it was in there a bunch. But I knew it before. Were you laughing at that? You don't know who Prince is?
0: I didn't know Prince died. This is terrible.
1: Are you serious? wow. Are you serious? He OD'd, and it was like the biggest story in in all news, like, for four days. (laughs) This guy's insane. Wow. Tag that, too. (laughs) too. We might just have to keep a steady mic on him. (laughs) And here's the funniest part of it all. You realize that when I said Prince died, he likely died, and you start laughing. (laughs) It's like someone's dead who I didn't realize was dead. Ha ha ha! I mean, what the f? (laughs) All right.
3: Several years ago. Yeah. A couple years ago.
1: I. You know, I remember when it was because it was. It would have been early June, if not, you know, June or early June or maybe. Because here is the thing, I still remember it was June like twenty second. So it would have been June. The next week, I think, the Palms actually had a revival, impromptu, of Purple Rain. Big theater, all the super sound, freaking place was, it was standing room only. Like, the line to get in this thing. Purple Rain's a great movie. It's campy, but it's, you gotta see, if you're a movie fan, you gotta see it in the theater. But it, it was almost like a pilgrimage to appreciate Prince. Yeah. You know, movies, they don't do enough of that, let me just say. None of them, do. you know, none of the theaters do, but it was great. Yeah, it really, in a way, Prince started the whole awareness of fentanyl being, which if you don't know much about the drug war, you know, where, you know, the U.S. is obviously trying, and some people would say they're not really trying, the whole CIA stuff and all that back in the day, but trying to stop fentanyl because what's happening with the—listen, No, who in the heck would want to be a drug addict if they could choose, right? So to some degree, these are people who are struggling— and they're trying to cope. And I'm not saying excuse it. I'm not saying it shouldn't be against the law. I'm not, you know, that's all different issues. But you got to have a little empathy for them, I think, for the most part. Faz certainly does because if there's any knee-jerk thing he can sh- show fake em- empathy, he tries to put that forward. Would you agree? Yeah. But deep down, you think there's part of it that's genuine. But you also see there's another part, right?
0: I don't want to talk about that. <laughs>
1: Oh, geez. All right, so now the reason he doesn't want to talk about it is because he genuinely believes he cares. So, like this is the opposite of what you might think. But then he's thinking, "Oh, I have to show some real emotion." Then he does, and then he freezes. Like, what should I do then?
3: Cannot show up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to do is come up with like seven yeah. things that he say at various yeah. times. You know, that is a human concern. Yeah. Like we could, we could drink a little bit one night and just go through the whole. Blank. Blank. <laughs> oh, so that's him not knowing yeah. that he's thinking he should share that something's blinking. Yeah. But it's, he really shouldn't, yeah. but he doesn't really know what to say ever. So he just says that. Yep. Ah, that, that was high. That was advanced thinking. Hmm. Okay. So anyway, with the fentanyl, and we'll make this quick. The thing is, it's so powerful, like, a a, a granule, granule of it can be enough, like, I, 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 this sounds crazy, but they say, like, it can be enough to kill, like, two people. But maybe it's not a granule, because that's, like, a little piece of salt. But it's so small. It's, so, it's like, 100 times more powerful than normal. Uh, I guess it's heroin derivative, right? So it's heroin. So what happens is the drug dealers can buy the fentanyl, Cheap. So they get like a barrel of fentanyl. So that's a like got them covered for ten years. But they can't sell fentanyl, I don't think, because how could you decide on how many, you know, one granule So they'll say, okay, we figured it out. One teaspoon poor per, 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 huh, per barrel of heroin. So you put a teaspoon in, a barrel, and they stir it. But who's to say that ten of the or three of those little pieces doesn't get in one section? And none gets in the other section, right? Yeah. It's so small. So what happens is they brick this stuff up, whatever level it goes on the street. So finally people are buying Ace or Quarters or whatever they're buying from, you know, like the old weed dime bag or whatever, right? And these, you know, most heroin, or at least a lot of them shoot it. So now they're shooting this stuff up. So if it's a little strong... There's no like, oh, don't know. It's already, it's, it's it, the whole shot's in your arm, so the oh, they're dropping like flies. Yeah, I mean, you think that the dealers, the the distributors, are gonna be sitting back with their armed guards in the mansion saying, you know, we we see that the OD rates in Seattle have gone up. We don't want to do that, so let's uh not use fentanyl. I know it's gonna cut in our profits three billion this. I mean, come on, they don't care. Yep. I mean, in a way, that's the definition of a drug dealer, right? Spreading misery. If it's any kind of you know, again, back in the day you can question weed or whatever. Thus there we are. The thing was though, Prince apparently, allegedly, was so addicted to downers, he was using these fentanyl patches, which they actually make for chronic. I mean, if someone's got a chronic Like cancer, and it's like, it's over. So addiction, you know, who cares? You're going to be dead in two weeks. They want those people to feel, you know, that's the only humane, right? You don't want them to feel a bunch of pain they don't need to. So they got these patches that just are like, whoa. This was his every day for a while, it seems, at least allegedly. Again, he was popping patches on, and he had done so much, his tolerance was so up, it, it was no big deal. It was like this was the normal buzz he wanted. So. Maybe in the end, Prince and the Fentanyl might end up saving many, many lives because Fentanyl has become a bit a much bigger issue since then. Which I had never heard of it till then, because of my innocent ways. <laughs> All right, so Bernie, we got that part. But think about it—how cool it would be! That we'll end the Bernie thing now. By the way, Weekend Edition, straight out of—wait, this is Bernie Frado. Don't forget—you have. <clears throat> You're not a completist of Straight Out of Vegas if you don't listen to the weekend edition hosted by me. My name's Bernie. 11 o'clock Pacific to midnight on Fox Sports Radio across the country. I don't want to make a big deal about this, but the weekday show only has 200 stations. We've got 330. Better clearance on the weekend. Bernie Fratto out. You, know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> He's going <laughs> to. But imagine, like, what's another song that's got wisdom in it? I mean, that just strikes you. I'll have to think for next week, but I'm interested. Maybe it's another Twitter type, at RJ in Vegas. What kind of songs would you want to hear? Because, like, an example could be, you know, obviously, like, the rock and roll songs of the 60s, some of them, like, the protest songs, you know, like Fortunate Son, right? Great John Fogel, or, you know, CCR song. Fez, you're not familiar with that, are you?
3: Can't recall it. <laughs> we just played it. Oh, it might have been one of your days that you weren't here. <laughs> we just played it on Straight Out of Vegas.
1: <laughs> See, I told you, if he decides to get rough with you, you're going to be in trouble. You're like the girl that thinks that she's tough, and like, because a girl never fought before. So they're all like, there's certain tangent girls that. Are always like acting like they want to get in a fight. But then occasionally they actually find a girl who wants to fight. Mm. (laughs) Oh man, that's the one fight that girl's ever in. Because there's girls that want to fight. Like there's a certain type. They're usually bigger boned, I would say. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But I think some of those protest songs for sure. Like, like the song Ohio by Neil Young. Like if I sift through those songs, there's going to be some wisdom that in a weird way, if we said it, it would be stupid. But if Bernie says it, but with a wink, but in that announcer's voice, yeah, it'll be. it's going to work. Yep. And then finally, and I'll say this in 10 seconds, the third piece is going to be start slipping in some wisdom that truly is wise but if you try to hit someone with profundity and you kind of go ah, here comes some profundity it doesn't work people shut down but if they if if the response of or if initially hearing hello i'm bernie frado just makes you chuckle which it will soon enough fast sure. you're already chuckling aren't you well i've had the pleasure of being with Bernie every Saturday night all fall. And this fits, doesn't it? It certainly does. (laughs) Yeah, so you're going to start chuckling when you hear his voice. You won't even know what's coming. It's going to be the same beginning, but done differently, meaning we're not going to tape that once because there will be little inflection differences. Then the hardcore fans are going to be like, want to see if they can tell what's coming. Yeah. But we're going to keep – we'll have an inventory of like 200 of these (laughs) in like two years. And the beauty is we might only use one – once a year, like a certain one. Yeah. So it'll be like Easter eggs when you get to hear these. Right. And then like the one I love that I thought of that he could do is the great one. When I was thinking about today, I was working on, I was trying to get ready for Fez. I was thinking it'd be a big Tom Brady debate. And I started thinking, cause Fez, you're a believer. He's really dropping off. Yes. I looked, started looking at the numbers, and what I saw was first four games, Fez is the one that brought this up, 7-0 touchdowns, no interceptions. Then the next four games, it was 7-5. Then, though, the next three games, or check that, the next four games, to, so to end the, you know, up to now, it's 4-1. So he's had one interception in four games. But somehow the talk is about his interceptions. Now, You can go back and say, well, the last eight games. But again, we're back to arbitrary endpoints. So I did a tweet on this and then I looked at it and I said, oh, God, look at this yards per play. And literally what I've uncovered and I haven't talked about this yet and I haven't heard anyone else say it is if you take the first six games and you have an average yards per play meaning across all the games. And actually, it's only 7-6, and it actually looked good, but he had a horrible yards per play against the Bills. It was like Mm 3-2 or something. So it was 7-6, slightly above average. Every game after was lower than the average, which means every game after the average went down Mm -hmm. by definition, Mm -hmm. right? So imagine if it's 7-6. I don't remember what the next one was. Let's say it's 7-0. So now it might be 7-4. Next one's below 7-4. Now it's 7-1. Next one's below 7-1. Every freaking game went down.
6: Mm.
1: For what now? Six and five more games. So five times in a row, he went below what's been expected based on every game before it. In theory, you should be 55th, unless there's a true trend line, right? Half the time you should be above, half the time you should be below. Sure, He's below every time. So I thought, man, I could try to spin this, and I could, but Why? And then it dawned on me the Dylan line, which I love. I think I used it on one of the pods about a month ago. It said, and now if I say it, it doesn't sound near as good as Bernie. But what I would do in the case is say, it reminds me of the Dylan line. I can provide for you no easy answers. Who are you that I should have to lie? And it's a great line of the song, when the night comes falling from the sky. But it doesn't work. When I say it, it does. If I just completely haven't been telling any stories, and I say, you know, that reminds me, I, but imagine if right now we could go, hello, I'm Bernie Frado from We Gonna Distrain Our Vegas Folk Sports Radio. I can provide for you no easy answers. Who are you that I should have to lie? He would do that like 30 times, 30 different ways, and we'd get the right intonation. And then we would plug it in, right? <laughs> now we've laid the groundwork that we're having fun with it, but now we're slipping it. Wait a minute. What's that? for? That is, for, let me, what do you say again? Now you got, you see, a little sugar yeah. on top. Mm-hmm. And another of the likes, Ken Thompson.
5: Yeah, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. I know I'm riding the hot hand. A lot of people look and say, man, don't be deceived by Virginia Tech. They kind of played mediocre ball for most of the year. That's true, but since Hendon Hooker has been inserted as quarterback, I like the way the offense moves a little bit more. I like the uh, overall makeup of this team right now. Justin Fuente finally seems to have a handle on this squad, and the chemistry looks to be good. Virginia, they're winning games. Yes, they're at home. Bryce Perkins, he's dynamic, one of the better dual-threat quarterbacks in the country, but I just feel like Tech's defense, Bud Foster's D, is kind of up the ante a little bit. I'm looking at them to make the bigger plays on defense. I know they're laying a few points on the road, but I'll take it, and I'll lay it, and I'll go with Virginia Tech. I just feel more comfortable the way they're playing right now, RJ.
3: And another one winner goes to the ACC championship game. Is there anything in your handicap for this one, KT? Virginia Tech's dominated this series, 14 straight wins, actually 15 straight wins over Virginia Is that playing a part like the,
5: oh, here we go again? Because I saw it last
3: year's game in Virginia, Virginia Tech.
5: Yeah, and it's been that big brother for a long time. And Foster's been there for all those years on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Mendenhall's doing a nice job with Virginia. Consistency is something they have not had in Charlottesville for a long time and you're riding the quarterback, Perkins, I expect Mendenhall to keep bringing in good, solid recruits there for this team to stay in the upper echelon of the ACC. And they're fortunate they're in the coastal half away from Clemson. So, yeah, I expect them to do well, but I just like the way Virginia's Tech season to me turned on a dime when they recovered the fumble at the end of the first half against Notre Dame. They returned it for a touchdown, and they outplayed the Irish in South Bend for that second half. I mean, Ian Book scores a touchdown with 20 seconds left, hands them a heartbreak one-point loss. uh, Brad, they could have just buried themselves in as far as their season, but instead they got stronger and stronger, and now they're dominant. And I think Hooker's the guy to run that offense. You know, he runs the ball real well. He's a, I don't want to say a Lamar Jackson type, but he's got that type of explosive running, and if he ever learns how to pass the ball consistently, you never know. We may see him at the next level. Maybe the next game. Next game, Iowa
3: at Nebraska. Iowa, a a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. Power rating for me,
1: Iowa by 5.1. Now, we got some sound from Esther. We're going to do that at the end. Brad, what's your full take on this Nebraska game?
3: A lot of people are going to talk about Nebraska needing a win to get the bowl eligibility. To me, the reason I like Nebraska is more of a fate against Iowa, their opponent. Uh, To me, Iowa's leaking oil. Here's a team that uh, minus 180 yards against Wisconsin, but the final score looked good because Iowa only lost by two to Wisconsin, and anybody that bet Iowa in that game, covered. Then the next week against Minnesota, I I bet Iowa in that game. But yet Iowa's outgamed by 140 yards against the Minnesota team coming off a big win. Iowa only won the game by four, and we're very fortunate Minnesota missed an extra point late in the game. So again, another misleading win for Iowa. And even last week, I mean, they didn't cover the spread against Illinois. They were plus two in turnovers. So if you'd have told me before the game, hey, Iowa's going to be plus two in turnovers against Illinois, I'd have thought, ah, easy cover for Iowa. No, they struggled just to win the game outright against an overrated Illinois team. I like Nebraska because of a fate against Iowa.
1: Now, isn't there a trend of Iowa as a road favorite? Oh, man, there is. And for some reason. Damn. You no, like I totally for some forgot. reason you like no. Nebraska, and no.
3: that trend doesn't show up in the notes. I totally forgot. I did not. Damn! Hey, that almost brings me down to a little. I forgot about that, Steve. You can't bring it down. You got a double crossfire Uh here, buddy. I do not on this one. Well, oh wait a minute. It's (laughs) that was on the other one. Oh, okay, okay,
1: okay. So actually, all right, all right. Because I was thinking, yeah. So what is that trend, first of all? So pull that up, and oh, this is the guy that. He prides himself, he, he'll go like in 1973,
3: Bo Schoenbechler. Well, it's 19-0, 16-2-1, I'm just going to confirm.
1: Okay, so somehow the guy that can remember that, who just said he didn't remember it, forgot to put it in the handicap. What do you think of that, Steve?
0: Well, what he did put in the handicap is a lot of the notes that I had, so just to summarize.
1: Oh, wait, so you're saying Brad stole from you?
0: I think the latter would be um, a <laughs> guess, but I too like Nebraska. Just to summarize the last three games, Iowa overrated, Iowa plus four in turnovers. Iowa's getting outgained by 90 yards on average during these last three games. So um, the leaking oil um, reference, I don't know if there's that much oil in Iowa, but it certainly applies.
1: Here's the question, though. Wouldn't Iowa be a we talk about the Patriots a lot, and we talk about how their stats are never as good as their results. But it's happened so much, it's kind of hard to act like it's a coincidence. Is I, of all the college football teams, isn't I in that small group that that happens? I just, I'm going by recollection here, which means I'm, as a novice, well, not a novice, as a amateur, at college football handicapping. My depth of knowledge is not near of what Brad's is, what Ken's is. And Fez, even you, who your, your uh, amount of time you spend on college is less, but you've got a lot of history with it, you've got a lot of winning with it, and you spend a lot more time than I do now. So, Brad, uh, would you say Iowa in general has won a lot of these close games, has won a lot of the games they might have got beat on the scoreboard? Mm. The fact that You're that talking, doesn't jump out at you probably Well, me they lost a,
3: Well, they lost a bunch of games earlier this year. Where, But
1: I'm talking about over five years, over seven years.
3: Yeah, they tend to win these games. Because is that coach, what's his name again? Fran- Ferenc. Yeah.
1: Is—I mean, he's the—don't you hear all the time, like, that he's the kind of guy that they think could get a bigger job, but for whatever reason— is who? What's his pedigree? Because I think I know something about him. Who was he ever? Yeah,
3: he was on those staffs, those Hayden Fry staffs oh, that yeah, was
1: on with Stu yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: and uh, yeah Snyder and all those guys in the early '80s. All
1: right, you know I think I can go in the and I know I can go in the da- database and I can do a search regarding okay a team that gets uh, give me a good number. What's Fez? What's a number of yards a college team would get outgained by? Where's the demarcator that you would think they would win about, and I know it's a tough <clears throat> guess, about a third of their game where they'd cover about a third of the time?
0: Well, cover, I guess a straight up win is easier than a that's cover, Yeah, that's true right? because
1: if you're, out, if you're favored by 14, okay, let's say win the game. They, like a third of the time you would think if they get out game by, what, 80 yards? Uh, less than that, like 50. All right. So if There's I— To win two-thirds of the time. To win two-thirds of the time. Well, how yeah. would you win
0: two-thirds of the time if you get out No, by if, 50? if you outgained your opponent by 50, you
1: oh, win two-thirds. Okay, okay, so the flip side. Okay. All right, that's interesting. So what we're saying is, in general, if Iowa comes back during uh, these years with the coach and saying that they win 45% of the time when they're out by 50 or more yards, you'd be like, okay, that team's winning some close games. That'd be outstanding. All right. So let me... Set aside, because the fact that, Brad, you're not just jumping at it saying it's true means it's probably a bad recollection, but it's worth a search. Yep. Speaking of recollections, <laughs> go ahead.
3: Yeah, so was a road favorite, something I used a bunch <laughs> when I was backing was' a road favorite. Iowa 19-0 and straight up as a road favorite, winning by 18.8 points per game covering those 19 games, 16-2-1, covering by nearly 12 points per game.
1: Now, we speculated why an Iowa team might do well as a road favorite.
3: Yeah, I mean, Midwestern values, uh, there's not a lot of high variance with an Iowa team. Look, there's not going to be any partying. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to run the football, not turn the football over, bring their defense. Sounds like uh, that's, you know, success on the road to me
5: here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs>
1: completely uh... or not uh. <laughs> now honesty time because you're the type of dude that won't say things but you won't you're not a liar I don't think is <laughs> did you really forget
3: I honestly I did
1: guys do you see yeah I did. how the subconscious we're all just humans man and if you you know if it's uh selection or what's the right phrase it wouldn't be cognitive dissonance but or lombardi talks about this uh, a confirming there's a a phrase i wasn't always familiar with he uses a lot confirmation bias is that you want to find things that yep. confirm what you believe you yep. hunt them out right and it's like if there's some trend that we don't like about our a team that's our favorite team we might glance at it in the database and move on. But if it's a team you hate, you're up all night trying to find trends. (laughs) It's just we're all human. You can try to prevent it, but you're never going to stop it. You always got to know it's there. And that's why I think multiple cappers, especially if they think about things in different ways, oh, you avoid – I mean, in a weird way, the whole nation would have been hurt if it was just Brad doing and Fez doing a a podcast – Without me to say, no, yeah. confirmation bias. I agree.
0: You know, it's funny about Iowa. We talk about, you know, a team that brings their full effort each and every week. Well, think about what they do in the home games for Iowa. I don't know if, if both of you guys know this, Brad. I'm... You think Brad knows,
1: Brad? Yes.
0: <laughs> At the end of the first quarter, Brad, what do what, every Iowa home game, what do they do? Now he's getting
3: quizzed.
1: At,
3: yeah, they wave to the fans.
0: They wave the to, to the hospital. children's yeah. hospital that's above the stadium, that's a wholesome program.
1: Except, and this isn't to get into now, I do believe that some of this confirmation bias happens with things like Midwestern programs because let's be <laughs> candid. We could look through and probably find a lot of Midwestern, you know, it's the old thing, Oh, that nice college kid at the Manhattan prep school. Now I think as a society, we finally figured yeah. out they're the ones that's probably, you know, having a lot of, you know, as much as anyone, a lot of wild parties and stuff. Yeah. And in the inner city, there's going to be obviously a lot of bad kids, but also a lot of kids working very hard and taking three buses to get to the better. You know, listen, anytime something's too one-sided, it's probably wrong, right? That's what we do know. And as much as I do think there is such a thing as Midwestern values, I also think that it can be a cliche, and we've got to be careful with it. Yep. That's me being my very advanced – now, the funny thing is my old friends from back home are like, you've gone Hollywood with that kind of... It's like, no, you keep thinking about stuff. You get older. I hope you change some of your opinion. The funny thing is with me, and I'll say it quickly, when I... Since I'm less quick to really judge someone harshly, like from afar, when I do, I I, I feel even harsher. Because I got to get all my harshness out through the people I think that, bel- that deserve it. But then it's like, but RJ, if you evolved... From age 30 to your mid-40s now, you might keep evolving from 45 to 60. And thus, the people you're showing all that rage to now might not deserve it. You just are too ignorant to know it. Good point. That's myself talking to myself. That's why you can spin yourself in a circle sometimes. (laughs) All right. And then you have a big drink. Uncle Dave, is he going to agree or not? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to Uncle Dave. And then when we come back, we're going to ask Brad and Fez, does that trend, does it cause you to reevaluate your like? All right, Uncle Dave.
4: Friday afternoon, love Nebraska, plus five and a half over Iowa. First thing here, Nebraska's a five-win team right now, so props to me for an easy win total under. And that five wins needs to be six to be bowl eligible. Iowa is probably playing in Jacksonville January 2nd, regardless of the outcome of this game. So motivational edge Huskers here in their last home game. You throw out the 30 points Iowa scored against Rutgers, they're averaging 18 points per game in conference play. I think it's really tough for them to get margin against anyone. Yes, Iowa's defense is really good. They're fourth in the nation in points per play, but they haven't played an offense per se. They haven't played Ohio State or even Indiana, both the only two conference teams that can't score. Two years ago, they beat Nebraska in Lincoln 56-14 to 14 Nebraska Remembers. Last year at Iowa, Nebraska almost beat them, put up 400 yards of offense. I know last week it was Maryland they hung 56 on, but it's a confidence booster. I know Nebraska's defense is suspect. Their scoring average is down almost a touchdown from last year. So I think Nebraska can win this game. I will gladly take the points. Nebraska minus five and a half. All right, Uncle Dave makes it four for four.
1: Mm. But is it four for four?
4: Ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. The stewards have posted the inquiry sign.
1: All right. Brad Powers, what are you doing?
3: Yeah, no more like for me on Nebraska. It's more of a lean now. Wow.
1: Because
3: the trend. Yeah, it's too strong. And I've used it, I don't you know, at least five times on an Iowa handicap.
1: And that's the interesting thing. You could see going the other way. It's just. If this was a pick where you truly, as you say, didn't think of that factor, and we're all human, and that factor's worth, you know, what? I don't know. If you believe it, a point? Yeah. So now if, you, if somehow Nebraska had to lay an extra point, would you have liked it? Probably not. Thus, why, you know, now you've reevaluated the handicap. Yep. Doesn't mean that's the right answer. It means it makes sense. Fez.
0: Yeah, I still like Nebraska.
1: There it is. Yeah. So you know do I mean? you look at that trend and say it's meaningless?
0: No, I don't say it's meaningless, but I've if I got two factors here. I've got We talk about all the reasons I was overrated, and now we talk about Nebraska needing the game like blood to become bowl eligible, and the entire state of Nebraska is going to be there rooting on their team. So a massive home field advantage I think offsets the factor, which I hate going against.
1: But you were unaware of the factor, right? I was unaware. So— You've got to like it less. Or I you like think, it or, less. Or you think it's meaningless.
0: I Meaning, like it less. It is not meaningless.
1: Because a lot of people will look at a trend like that and say it doesn't mean anything. I mean, Malensky, you said, not like trends at all like that. Now, he would then pop up, not that they speak over oh, the, those that passed, but then he'd pop up with a trend I thought was much less interesting or persuasive, and he'd love that trend. Mm. Hey, this is collaborative to some degree. But it's also something ultimately there's got to be one decision maker or there's got to be some voting system. But it's got to be clear who make, you know, how decisions are made. And ultimately, it's got to be made. Fez says, <clears throat> yes, it matters, but not enough to get me off a like. Brad backpedals like a little girl. I mean, yeah. Brad doesn't like, you know, you know some people would say that's macho that he had the guts to
5: back down. <laughs> Ken Thompson. Yeah, you know, this is the only state, the only university in the country that could be five and six, but yet the whole state will stop on Saturday to watch this team try to become bowl eligible. Adrian Martinez and the and company come off with a dominant road win against Maryland 54-7. to Look, that's not saying much, but for Nebraska it is because it puts them in position to make a bowl game in Scott Frost's second year. So while the season looked dismal and they were – choking games away at Purdue and other places. They found a way to set themselves up for this scenario, and wouldn't it be just great to take out your neighboring state in Iowa, get Nathan Stanley and those guys to become bowl eligible, have some momentum going in there. I'll take the plus five and a half. I just think this team and this whole state of Nebraska is going to stop to watch the parting of the Red Sea in Iowa. What do they have to play for? Not much. They're not going anywhere outside of a bowl game. And where do they go? Usually around the same type bowl game where they're eight and four, nine and three at best, seven and five, somewhere in that range. That's Kirk Ferentz to the T. I was okay with that at the end of the day. Nebraska's got major motivation edge here. I like Adrian Martinez. I like Nebraska to win this game outright.
1: So, Brad, what's your pure power rating say on this game?
5: Iowa by five point
1: one. Okay, so this idea of Nebraska having a motivational edge—it's not built into this. If anything. No.
3: I don't think it's appropriately building this number.
1: And do you think they do have a uh, motivation? Oh, I do
3: think they do. Especially, it wasn't just them beating Maryland to get the five and six. It's the way they beat Maryland. They dominate them. And really, that was coming off a misleading game against Wisconsin two weeks ago where Nebraska just went up and down the field, just didn't put it in the end zone. Mm. And both of these last two games, it came out after a late season bye. So Nebraska, in my opinion, has played two of their best games in their last two games coming off mm. that late season
1: bye. It goes to show you how the macro feelings of a team, if, if the macro feelings, big-picture feelings are bad, you can win three straight, but if somehow you want a tight one, you're thinking, see, we're going to get exposed. Flip side is you can lose a couple of games, but you're still thinking, trust the process, we're on the way. And it feels like Nebraska has buy-in from the fans and the players, or I'm sorry, specifically Frost does.
3: Oh, absolutely. And he's got buy-in from the administration. He got a contract extension two weeks
1: ago. Which I like that. Yes, I do too. If you're going to have Midwestern values, one of those is you give someone, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the the players that Frost recruited are Southmore. sophomores. Yeah. And
3: really, how much can you count that first class? I mean, he was still coaching UCF in a bowl game. The early signing period is December after. He was hired after the early. So, effectively,
1: uh, his control of things. Freshman. Freshman. Yes. How much are you going to react? If you do, you're being stupid. Yes. And, Ken, let me ask you this. Last question on this game. Uh, I just wonder, isn't this what? I mean, I guess maybe Brad's saying that it's not in the power numbers, his numbers are good, but it's not like they're the only numbers that matter. So maybe Jeff Sagar
3: nine point four Iowa.
1: Yeah. So let's use that as a gauge. Doesn't it feel like that the, everyone knows Nebraska's motivated? Do you feel like it's maybe built in the number? Since you're taking calls, you got your radio show. Is it Nebraska so under the radar? Maybe the casual batter isn't as engaged, or do you feel like perhaps this being such a must win? Because Phil Steele used to have things
5: where teams going for their sixth win and stuff. Yeah. Like, there's trends around that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's teams going for their sixth win, but there's... Nebraska going for their sixth win, and again that state they stop when this team plays. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Green Bay, the whole city there you can rob you everyone's house. That helps house. them, though. Or it does not increase the pressure. Help. Major help because a couple weeks ago it didn't look like they would get the opportunity to get to a bowl game. So I like the way, uh, like Brad said as well, they played against Wisconsin. They put a 493 yards on a Wisconsin defense. I respect Jim Leonard as one of the top defensive coordinators. I'm thinking, what really does Iowa outside of wanting to beat Nebraska and and sure nine and three is great, but 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 is there a difference between 9-3 and and 8-4, and really, as far as where you're going bowling? Probably not. So for Nebraska, it's an all-everything game. I think it's a great spot for the the Huskers here, and I think they're going to get it done. I like the way the team has moved the ball the last two weeks.
1: All right, best bet time for Fez. It's Oklahoma. See, Brad, when it's best bet time, I take over these. (laughs) Oklahoma State. Oklahoma favored by 13. Fez. Yeah,
0: I like Oklahoma State. Plus 13, it is my best bet. I have major concerns about Oklahoma's energy level in this game. Let's look at what Oklahoma's done the last three games. Well, they won all three. That's good. But let's break down what's happened. Iowa State, Oklahoma had a big lead. They blew the entire lead. It came down to a two-point conversion, a failed one for Iowa State at the end of the game. So a whole lot of energy expelled. The very next week, it's Oklahoma that gets way behind by 25 points plus against Baylor. Has to come all the way back. They do it. Oklahoma wins by three. And then last week, another nail-biter, TCU. Oklahoma's holding on for dear life. Wins the game by four points with three straight, gut-wrenching, close wins for Oklahoma. I got to wonder how much they got left in the tank. And now they face an Oklahoma State team, the little brother in the state, you know this is Oklahoma State's game of the year. It's not Oklahoma's. Oklahoma's would be Texas, I would imagine. And this is an Oklahoma State team that, frankly, has been flying under the radar all year long. This team was only supposed to win like six and a half games. They've already won eight games. You know, the look headline back during the summer on this game was 10. Oklahoma State, I cannot understand with Oklahoma roughly meeting expectations and Oklahoma State Meet, uh, exceeding expectations, why is Oklahoma State getting 13 now?
1: Okay, that's an interesting question. And we don't really have to guess about expectations, right? We got power ratings. Brad, what's happened with Oklahoma from the start? What's happened with Oklahoma State?
3: Uh, Oklahoma's flat, like Fez said. But and, let
1: me wonder something. Yeah. If we gave up, if we gave fractional wins in the following way, I don't know the right time. Let's say two minutes left in the game or four minutes left in the game, somewhere in the fourth quarter, probably in the last 10 minutes, and said, what's this team's chance of winning for, from here? That their fra- that Oklahoma's fractional wins would be a significant disappointment yeah. over what you thought ended yeah, yeah, the yeah. year. Because yeah. what was their win total? Win total was 10. 10? Yeah. So if they went 10 and two, what is there, 12 games they play? Yep. So 10 and 2 would have not been a disappointment. It would have met exact. It would have. It was juiced to the over a little bit. But not much. Not much. Wow. So they thought there was the same chance of Oklahoma winning, uh, or let's say losing, uh, 0 and 1 games. And that doesn't even count the conference championship, right? No, it
3: doesn't. All
0: right.
1: So 0 and 1 versus 8 and 9. Yeah. Right? I mean that's yeah. what ten is saying effectively, yeah. right? The bell curve mm-hmm. sits at yeah. ten. How how wasn't that the biggest bet you ever made? Or was it like, no, even winning these close games are far exceeding expectation.
3: Mm. Well, Texas was supposed to be pretty
1: good.
0: And the and the look ahead line on the Texas game was only Oklahoma, I believe, minus three yeah, in the three. summer. So right off the bat, there was an expectation of uh, four tenths of a loss. And what
1: and the line ended up being what? I think it was 10. 10, yeah. So you're saying in that time. Okay. So in a weird way, what I might be thinking about is Hertz got hot early. There was all the stats, oh, yeah. 4-0, and and all the yardage. Yeah. And it just it felt like it's always been that, Oklahoma. But really, you're saying there was a real dip before this season. Yeah,
3: well, I mean, Oklahoma's curve, if you'd asked me, hey, where's Oklahoma's power rating You know, in mid-October compared to preseason, I would have said it's up five, five-and-a-half points. They, I mean, they have really dipped here in the oh, last okay. month.
1: So you're saying there has been a big downgrade, but it's from off the upgrade that happened earlier. Yes. So it's saying really effectively, once again, you reacted too much early. Yeah. And it forced you to react. Because I think we it'd be fascinating. And all we need are the numbers. I can sift someone through them. Is If you have your week-to-week. We just identify a range and we say, okay, if any team goes up more than four points or whatever the range is, we now grade what is the closing line from that point where they just passed the threshold. And when I say closing line, I really mean closing uh, power rating. What percentage do you think keep keep going in the direction (laughs) – that they're going, and what percentage double back? Fast. You probably have a feel for that. I think
0: double back, like, like two-thirds of the time, maybe, even so that look, high. So yeah, don't yeah, you yeah. naturally then start <laughs> being suspicious when you keep moving a team up? Yeah, and then you don't move Baltimore up fast enough.
1: And that's the exception, right? Hey, it's interesting. Okay. What do you think of the pick, Brad? I like Oklahoma State as well. Like? I
3: do. And, and let's talk why Oklahoma State, I think, is a little bit undervalued. Forget the Oklahoma side. I think there's been too much of a downgrade in the market right now for Oklahoma State's quarterback. Spencer Sanders out for the year, but the backup is Drew Brown, who has two years of full starting experience at Hawaii, just barely got beat out by Spencer Sanders in a hotly or a heatly contested race uh, before the season. And, and the one thing, Spencer Sanders very... High variance. He was the regular starter for Oklahoma State. So I could see, you know, Oklahoma State's chances of beating Oklahoma outright might have been greater with Spencer Sanders. But I think also the chances of Oklahoma State losing by four touchdowns to Oklahoma far greater. With Drew Brown, he doesn't turn the football over like Spencer Sanders. So to me, I just I think Oklahoma State's maybe a little conservative, and that's a good thing. Run the football. You have one of the best running backs in the country. Oklahoma's one of their weaknesses on defense is rush defense. Turn around and hand it off to him, and just don't make any mistakes, and you're going to cover this 13 point spread like Oklahoma State. Okay,
1: why's the line? We always say if you can't explain why I line something, you don't understand the line. So if it's off, you should be suspicious. Mm. Now this could be a simple why. Oklahoma is still undefeated.
3: No, they got one loss.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. They they are still an elite team. Yeah. They've exce- to some degree exceeded expectations. I and, mean, is this just public stupidity? And I think duct tape shoe guy, mm-hmm. you
3: could say this about Oklahoma's last two games. Well... You know, Oklahoma only on the scoreboard only beat Baylor by three and TCU by four. But if you dive into the box score, they outgained Baylor by 218 yards and TCU by 307 yards. And last week, if you look at the key turnover of the game, a 98-yard pick six for TCU, 14-point swing. If that play doesn't happen, Oklahoma might even cover the spread. Why would you be downgrading Oklahoma significantly off of last week?
1: i mean it's like haystack yeah. was being channeled yeah so is that wrong and is that Ugh. were you in to some degree kind of making fun of phasic
6: no i'm not making
1: fun
3: because that things. sounds like yeah. something he would say He would isn't? say something yeah well i think it goes he into- doesn't
1: look at the college box score so it makes <laughs> it easier he, for him not to get conf- you know like yeah. get all distracted but does not didn't that sound convincing
0: it did, but in the Baylor game, ah. you gotta remember Baylor was up so much that Baylor got too conservative, and that's why Oklahoma was able to pile up all those yards when they were down twenty plus points.
1: But every team that loses that's been behind that that was up big got too conservative, supposedly. And by the way, every team that lets the other team come back because they are bold, they weren't conservative enough. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you hear both these yeah. days. So, Brad, I, I'm still haven't heard why. Is, uh, is that what you, is it more about? I think it's some
3: of that. And I think, you know, what I saw from the market last week is the market downgraded Oklahoma State without their starting quarterback about two and a half, three points. That to me was about a point. Now, that,
1: now that is one that really makes me want to bet this game. When, because that's a depth of knowledge that the market isn't necessarily going to have. Some of the betters will, is you're just mispricing. You're saying to the market how good this quarterback is. It's not that big of a drop off.
3: Yeah, I think it's like a point, not so, three points.
1: So, is this, this wasn't your best bet? It was. Wasn't. this considered as your bet? I mean, it was. This feels like, you know, you guys always give me credit that I can sniff out the handicaps that are maybe inconsistent. I don't see, first off, I naturally like taking points. Yep. I also naturally like going against an Oklahoma. Because they're a premium, and they've won a lot of close games. Yep, they could have easily have three losses, right?
6: Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And how? What would this line be? Not <laughs> yeah,
3: not, not, not even this. double digits. Maybe nine.
1: And I also think that people don't realize outside of you know they, they always talk about these different rivalries. People don't realize Oklahoma Oklahoma State is a. I mean, when Stoops was there. That was probably Oklahoma's biggest. Well, that in Texas was right there. Yeah. Uh, T. Boone Pickens was doing his thing. They were poaching coaches. I mean, it was a war. Yep. Meaning the state was, you know, there was a, it was a real, uh, they were adversaries. It wasn't a game. They were adversaries might be the way to say it. I'm not sure that's still lingering on the side of Lincoln Riley, but you know it is for Oklahoma State. It
3: is for Gu- Mike Gundy, who played at Oklahoma State. Who's been so close. He's a man, though. (laughs) Yeah, he's now 50, I think.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's a big
3: game
0: for Oklahoma, but it's Oklahoma State's biggest
1: game. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I'm trying to understand why this line, or why I'm making the case, I think it makes sense this line's off, because I don't think most people in New York or Philly really Mm -hmm. know that, right? Unless you're a hardcore fan of college football. So it all makes sense. Why isn't it like a humongous bat for you? What's holding you back? From like mm-hmm. this is you know I'm gonna go as far as my bankroll lets <laughs> open order is
3: that Oklahoma uh, th- those two by I'll be duct taped shoe guys is those two games where on the box score said they should have won those last two games by so what two you're saying is plus.
1: net net you think the the close score is damning to them but you got to hold hold open the possibility that it, the score should have been much more in Oklahoma's face yes Fez makes an interesting point though if a team is up so much that they hardly score in the second half, and all you do is you score that last touchdown to win, kind of got to wonder how it could be more in their favor. Yeah. Right? To some degree, you've reached the edge of your ability by just winning the game. Right? And that was the case more in the Baylor game, right? Yep. Yep. It'd be hard to imagine how Oklahoma does better than down or winning by three in that game.
3: Agree when you're down 25.
1: Right. right. So now you could say, well, they were unlucky to get down 25. I don't know.
3: They really weren't. It wasn't like a bunch of turnovers or anything.
1: All right. Steve got agreement there. Alabama, Auburn. Now, guys, usually we tape this in sequence. Occasionally, someone like Ken has a commitment. And, and again, his he's been great. Rush, you know, getting here nice and early, <clears throat> staying as late. And I think <laughs> it's funny. I clear my throat usually to say, nah, I don't believe it, but that's not what I meant. And uh, he really has been, like, getting here early, and we've been trying to get started, and sometimes it's slow. So his commitment's been great. Uh, And then literally the taping got interrupted, and this sounds crazy. It's now 11.25 p.m., and you know something? It's Brad Powers and RJ. So we're going to get a couple last games. And then can the best bet... Were pre-taped, so the beauty is you got them coming up here at the end. All right, I think this is a big one. Bama, Auburn. What do you got? I'm leaning towards Auburn. Leaning, yeah, right. yeah
3: lean. I mean, I hate liking and betting against Saban, although he's not overwhelmingly great. Laying single digits at mm-hmm. Alabama, mm-hmm. Saban's nineteen and twenty-four against the spread.
1: So that's actually not the opposite of great.
3: Yeah, not good.
1: Now, how is he as an underdog? Because I think it's unfair. I hate slivers. Like, if you can tell me from here on, so literally you could say, if Alabama's not a 10 point favorite or more, yeah. here's the problem. So, what, what, what's the underdog number?
3: Uh, going back to his first year, it's like four and one.
1: All right, but we've haven't we taken out his first year on almost everything, saying like fundamentally it was just so different? So, what you're saying is, even counting the first year, it was only four and one. Yeah. So, net, net is even if all those dog rolls, which they weren't, right, well, we know he won against Georgia as a dog, yeah. and that's the last time he was a dog, right?
3: Yeah, going all the way back to the 2000. He won outright against Florida and Tim Tebow in the 2009 SEC championship game.
1: So what we're saying is it doesn't seem like that he was much of a dog that first year, even though they no, won six.
3: Well, he started, yeah, no, he started off really high. Keep in mind he lost, like, games against Louisiana Monroe mm-hmm. later in the season, but they started, like, 4-5-0. and
1: 0. So, okay, so they so they probably was a dog once or twice at the end of the yes. year. Okay, so let's just roll all of that in. We're still saying a clear loser when not favored yeah. by double digits. Yep. Right. So th- I wouldn't feel bad going against Saban in that spot. History says it's not his spot.
3: Yeah, and I got a big power ratings disparity here, RJ. I got Auburn by one, and, and, and maybe that seems asinine, but— If I asked you, because I asked Fez the same question uh, before one of the radio shows this week, how much do you think Alabama's been downgraded this season?
1: Okay, so we're counting both whatever downgrade the team has gotten plus the Tua. Plus Tua. So the theory is, if I I could answer this in two parts. If I simply say, if Tua were healthy, how much of a downgrade do you think Alabama should get? Then we just subtract seven would be there. All right, so realistically... They lost to LSU. Now, you could rationalize that some of that was Tua. Yeah. So now the que- his, his being hindered. So the question becomes, watching the game in hindsight, meaning you've watched the game, if the game was being replayed, so same assumptions about Tua's health, but you didn't know what the score was for game number two of this, how much would you downgrade Alabama off of how you've seen Tua being limited? Not off of the loss. Yeah. But off of the truth you saw. Imagine there was a scrimmage that you had secret binoculars yeah. that they these two play. Yeah. What would you have downgraded to? About
3: a point and a half.
1: So not much. Yeah, not much. All right. So I'm gonna call it two just to have a round number. Huh. So if they was only down two, that that loss LSU has to tell you something. Now it could tell you how good LSU is. And you know, we might actually end up having a bad, because correct me if I'm wrong, LSU's lost defenders, they've lost linemen. This yeah. LSU team's not the same team they were. No, not
3: defensively, they're not.
1: Yeah. And even though the linemen I was re- referencing were offensive, they had a good game, but it was a game where they could kind of name the score. So yeah, I'm always skeptical. I think a second-string lineman can always play well against a team that the team overmatches. But boy, the question is when you got like NFL level D, D- linemen, how much? So the linemen for LSU that were hurt, are they out for the season? No, they're not out for the season. So you're... On the offensive side yeah. of okay. Yeah. Okay. So you think, if anything, even at this point, LSU's absences, and it's not all injury, has been defensive. Yep. But that they were all ready to go for Alabama, right?
3: No, a couple of those guys weren't.
1: Oh, the ones that weren't yeah, injuries. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was actually the week of that game. Yeah, right? it was. Oh, yeah. They still won. All right. So I think you would have to downgrade Alabama a minimum three points. So it would be a 10 points in net.
3: I've downgraded Alabama seven and a half on the year.
1: Okay. So and now in a, and my number is not yeah. any gold number. Okay. Yeah.
3: So I've downgraded Alabama seven and a half. And I think that's fair. Auburn. So Auburn's eight and three season win total for Auburn was eight expectation. They're going to lose this game. So basically Auburn's met expectations I think they've overachieved a little bit. You look at Auburn's three losses, all close, all against top 10 competition in LSU, Florida, and Georgia. I got them up a point. It's not like a significant upgrade, just a slight increase. And again, with those power ratings in mind, I have Auburn by one point here.
1: Okay. So the theory is I would have downgraded Alabama more. Yep. And thus it would be, in that case, let's just say three, it would be Auburn by four in that case. If my numbers, which they're not. So you're saying that uh, the only case that could be made that this line's right is that your seven and a half is too much.
3: Yeah, and maybe our assumption that two is worth seven points isn't getting properly priced in this line. Because the backups look
1: good. Mac Jones looks... So when you say look good... I mean, which games?
3: Yeah, and that's just my question. Yeah, he's looked good, Mac Jones, against the worst team in the SEC, Arkansas, and an FCS Western Carolina team. I haven't come away. What was
1: their? What were they? They were favored by what against Arkansas?
3: Thirty-two. So the market that game was like a look-ahead line was like in the thirty-eight type of range for that one. So the market did drop about a touchdown on that game.
1: And then the theory is, okay, look how good he looked. Yep. So maybe we did too much is what the market says. Yes. Meant. But in a weird way, and tell me if you agree with this, some college quarterbacks that are so good can't even be backups in the NFL. Yeah. Why? Because it's a different skill set. You got it's not just all the things that you do well in college, but you gotta be able to throw into tight windows. You gotta yeah. be able to throw before the break. I don't know a ton about this, but okay. I think playing in college against a team you're favored by 35 or so versus playing in a game that's a, you know, coin flip game, those are two different scores. I mean, it's a variation on a theme because think about college at the Arkansas level, college at the Auburn level, and in the NFL. Like, what's the ratios? (laughs) Meaning, if the NFL from uh, college at the Auburn-Alabama level is, let's say, 10 units, now – Arkansas is going to be, so if college at the Auburn-Alabama level is zero, if NFL is plus 10, what is Arkansas? Is it minus 10? I don't think the jump from Arkansas to Auburn is the same as the the NFL. It's at least half as big, don't you think? I agree. And thus the question becomes the skills that a, a Matt Jones or a Mac Jones might have a guy who I knew his name. No, if the skills <laughs> of right. Mac Jones has to beat Arkansas are very different skills than what you need to beat Auburn, and maybe that isn't being accounted for. I agree, because most people don't think about uh, quarterback adjustments as being so relative to level of competition and stuff. That's interesting, and thus you like. Oh wait. Saving, lean, sca- You're uh, scared of saving. I am scared of saving. Do you ever bet against saving?
3: Oh my goodness! I mean, have you this year? Not, no, I haven't had a no, I haven't. You know, I had one play. It was when he was laying like forty something against what, a, a decent team. Was that the was that wasn't that the play I had where I said they're they're not or- Arkansas. We were both on the same side. Okay, that was one of Fez's losers because oh. we were like, yeah, give me some of that.
1: Yeah, okay, but see. That was the, But that was a very specific handicap because yeah. everyone thought Saban would want to make a statement. Yeah. And we said Saban doesn't need no statement, he, you know, and we were right about yeah. that, I think. So in this case, so let's think about this. Literally, you're saying my power ratings oh, man. <laughs> are off by. F- we're saying that the, this number is off by four and a half through the key number of three. It's a like. No,
7: no, no. Yeah, right. I know.
1: But Jeez. then, then you say, and I can explain every little half tick or tick of this number, blah But you just take yeah. that was convincing. So you must love it. No, no, lean. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, why? Scared. Yeah, saving. Three words. Oh yeah, two words. <laughs> saving. Scared. Maybe you should stay with that because yeah. you can't. You know something? You can't win now. Meaning, True. if you win, everyone's going to say, "Oh, R.J. controlled you into it." But if you lose, you lost. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing Mike Lombardi should have learned when he was hating on the Philly coach. He wasn't going to win. So just assume you were right. Hope everything goes to real crap and then say, see? (laughs) Yep. That's one thing I learned from Colin. Andrew, You thought when Andrew Luck retired, he would finally admit he was wrong about the guy. Because it's not that he, him retiring deserves scorn or whatever. It was like he's never going to redeem him. He's never yeah. going to be that quarterback that even gets a Super Bowl. To this day, Colin still talks about how great Andrew Luck was. <laughs> Confirmation bias. <laughs> All right. So here's what I'm going to say. I don't do this often. I'm not scared of Nick Saban as long as we're in very d- different states. <laughs> And it'd be great if Nick yeah. Saban... Remember when that Dabo Sweeney started talking about Colin?
3: Oh, yeah. Called him, you know... Because Colin
1: called him a fraud. He's like, I'll tell you who's a exactly. fraud. the fraud. That
6: guy's the fraud. That
1: cowherd guy. Yeah. Well, maybe I should like just start <laughs> attacking Saban. And then at some point in about three years, he might hear about it for 10 seconds. All yeah. right, so I'm not going to try that because it won't work. And it would sound stupid because Saban is a borderline genius. But I think this has all the hall- hallmarks of... The public just missing it. And also, let's be—now, I'm interested. What was the look-ahead in this game? Was there any look-ahead, or was there still a sense that they weren't sure? Because when I'm— It
3: was a lot of the Alabama look-aheads with Tua's injury, 100% were, like, taken off.
1: Because my question is, Oregon losing has really helped Alabama's odds. Can you quantify that for us?
3: Yeah, you could have found last week in town— Alabama's future odds as high as thirty to one to win the title. Right now, fifteen to one Alabama to win the title.
1: And the question is, what's changed other than Oregon? Nothing. Alabama
3: just beat a Western Carolina team. Met expectation.
1: And whatever Mac Jones adjustment there's been, it probably didn't come much from that game. Yes, agree. Thus, it's I think a very logical in the the Pac-12 participant or champion being. In the playoffs, went down significantly yes. because it could be a two-loss Oregon very easily. Yep. Because even with the adjustment to Oregon, what's your projected line? Utah, Oregon,
3: like Utah minus three.
1: So still, yep. they're not only not even going to win sixty percent of the yep. time. And Fez believes very strongly, and we've got to bet. He laid me five to one. Oh man,
3: I think it's more even money than you got. Five and so to
1: one. so Utah wins out. Yep. Alabama wins out. Georgia doesn't win the SEC. It's really going to be Utah Bama. and Bama. You think it's 50-50.
3: Yeah, and it, maybe even 55-45 Utah in that case. All right. I just don't know how you disrespect an entire West Coast. I mean, that, I mean, that would be slapping their face. To me,
1: I think, and, and someone made a point of this. I can't remember who it was. I don't remember but they added even another point that the idea of the Oregon quarterback being a top draft choice potentially was another reason they'd want Oregon that they could mm. build the show packages yeah. around him and Oregon they were here 6 years ago and fell short you know yeah. whatever it felt like Utah's going to whatever the economics of it is it feels like they're much worse for Utah
3: agree and then you got Phil Knight the Nike money with Oregon
1: yeah, so it, it, that's another package yeah. they can do. Show the yeah. new facilities. What what are they going to do with Utah? Show reruns of Big Love? <laughs> wow, I don't know that one. <laughs> oh, it was an HBO show about uh, polygamous. Oh, really? Yeah, in, oh, wow. in, in Utah.
3: Yeah, just show the
1: mountains. <laughs> just B-roll <laughs> of the mountains.
7: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so in a way, you're making my case, Brad. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. I don't know. So every time you tell me it's a business, wait. Every time yeah. I tell you it's a business, you tell me it's a game. Oh, well, we'll see. Interesting. So maybe you should go to fifty-fifty, not fifty-five. Fifty-fifty. I might want to bet you if you give me even money.
3: Well, you're lacking yourself into a profit then. When that's you're what five I like. To to, that's the way yeah. I like to do. Because Feds <laughs> gave me
1: five to one. I was just the idiot for only taking a hundred on it. Oof. All right. It's oh wait. We got one more. Yeah, we got best bet. Yep. From you, that's it, right? And then we got the...
3: No, I got one more game and oh. a best bet, What's... unless you want to skip it.
1: No, it's too big. All right, see, guys, we don't do editing. Yep. Here it is, Notre Dame, Stanford, and I'm excited about this one. <laughs> <laughs> the fact <that> it's 1140, <laughs> it doesn't... You think that's bothering me? And you know what sucks about this yeah. week? I got to do all my NFL work by Wednesday. I'm usually just really getting yeah. going on Wednesday. So you know what I'm going to do? Because you're probably up all night tonight, right? Yeah, I will be. I, I, I'm going to text you at 4:44. Uh, I'll be up. I'm going to set my alarm. All right. <laughs> and I, it's just I'm going to text you as a bicep. Yeah. Uh, you know the muscle emoji. That's yeah. what you're getting. What you should do though uh-huh. is
3: play meta, because you just told me I could be sleeping and then I wake up. So you should do it a different time, just to catch me. Oh, sure. So
1: but but and then if you don't respond within three minutes, yeah. But then you're going to be, like, all night looking yeah, at your phone true. and on, getting your work done. So yeah. I'll, I'll just tell yeah. you 440. Because if right. you're sick enough to want to go to sleep and set your yeah. alarm to respond to my attacks, <laughs> you win that one. <laughs> and, and it's not a competition because I have zero doubt you're going to yeah. be up. And, guys, we're still here. That's the dedication. Notre Dame, Stanford, it's 17. Ken had a lean Notre Dame. His thinking was... Let me tell you something. All around lack of team speed hinders Stanford all season long. But I watched that game. I watched it four times. And what <laughs> Oh, I could have to do something good with yeah. that. All right. He also said, I know Stanford's not going to a bowl game, but there's a reason. Uh oh, he didn't even put it in his notes. It was just a reason. And then all caps. Let me tell you, he said the mean gene, just not a good team. <laughs> It's just not a good theme. So, this guy, he's just off the cuff with his stuff. And then he starts talking about the fourth string. Yeah. It, it's a fucking Marvel. Oh, well, screw it. It's after hours. It's a Marvel. Now, Fez. Uh oh. Yes, I arrived for the midnight show. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lean Irish playing their best football of the year. Despite the recent bad matchup. So, if you just normally look at the results, you don't have the whole story. The Irish D, they've had their struggles, it's true, against the run, yet they crushed two running teams, Navy and BC. Stanford, they just blew a late fourth quarter lead to Cal. Fell to four and seven, no longer bowl eligible. So, even though every point I just made points to Notre Dame, I just lean Notre Dame. <laughs> Why? Because I'm fake Fezzik, and Fezzik's my overlord. That makes no sense. That's one of his best handicaps so far. He was probably like, I got my five lights." What do you got, Brad? I got to
3: lean on Stanford. And, yeah, I get it. KT said Stanford's not a good team, probably because they didn't say their prayers or take their vitamins. (laughs) That's really good. But... 17 is a huge number for a Notre Dame team that hasn't won here since 2007. And and, uh, Fez was mentioning, you know, Notre Dame's just taking care of two running teams. I think most novices would say, hey, Stanford's a running team, so that bodes well for Notre Dame. Guess what? Stanford's not a running team anymore. In fact, this is the, the least successful year they've had running the football since the last time they didn't go to a bowl game. Stanford's a passing team, and that would be Notre Dame's weakness here. I just seventeen points. I, I'm just playing the number. My power rings are closer to fourteen here. I'm going to take Stanford plus seventeen at home.
1: But let's be clear: this is a lean, just a lean. Yeah, you made it, you really made it out to be more. No, when you say I'm going to take, that sounds like your lingo when it's Oh, uh, it. that's true, right? So, but it is late, and we, and we also know this.
7: I've been hanging and banging for years.
1: <laughs> so a lean, and in a way, you explained. You know, again. Fezzik's got amazing instincts, even when he doesn't have the depth of knowledge. You're saying that his handicap was faulty, quite frankly. Yeah, And thus, fake Fezzik, maybe fake Fezzik knew and didn't, In his overlord said, make it a pick. And he said, no, I'm sick of losing. Yeah. You know how they say AI might take over, like in Terminator? Imagine if fake Fezzik somehow put a little bug in Fezzik's ear, (laughs) and it grew and then wrapped around his, like, the the stem of his brain and was controlling him. Oh, jeez. How would you tell?
3: You couldn't, honestly.
1: <laughs> All right.
3: Cannot compete.
1: <laughs> yeah, you gotta work on it. It's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be good. Maybe we can have Bernie Frado do the set. No, yeah. that wouldn't work. Now, here's what's left. Three best bets, including Brad Live. But we're gonna have one commercial. That's only fair. And we're gonna make it quick. So one and only one commercial break. Okay. It's a long—well, it's not so long. It's late, as you guys know. Well, you get a sense. Speaking of late, we're heading into the back half of the NFL season. Ah, Some would say it's bittersweet. So much football behind us. But the good news is there is even better football on the horizon. There's the NFL playoffs. The push to the playoffs and then the playoffs, college football, playoff arguments, bets, and then bowls. Some people think football games are basketball games. They're enough excitement. They, their heart can't take anymore. Then there's others, and I fall into this contingent who feels like, you know, a little more bat, a little batting might make this even more exciting. Like Homer Simpson putting cheese on steak or something. <clears throat> Some are going to say in, Homer's wrong and judge him. Others are going to say, I never thought of that. Mm. Eh, that's probably more me too. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. You've heard all about the offerings, all about what makes them worth a try. That includes the 100% bonus match. That is still available. I have no idea how long it's going to stay. I know nothing lasts forever. I've, I've heard of that. I could imagine Bernie saying that. Nothing lasts forever. This is Bernie Frado, and nothing lasts forever. He'd be correct. It's a cliche for a reason. If you're going to try him, now's the time. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. So, Brad, let's be honest, or forthcoming. There is something about it's 11:46 on the atomic clock, and you got a whole night of work ahead of you, and it's a holiday week, and part of you's thinking, "Ah, oh, that sucks." And then part of you is like, "Yeah, this is why I'm here." And there's almost a purity to it. There's almost like, I don't have to be confused about that. I know what got to be done, and I, I'm going to do it because I'm Brad. You feel both sides of that. I do. Eh, I thought so. I like it. You get me.
2: <laughs> Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire
4: up your pen and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind.
1: Now, the day you understand the depth of my love for Blossom, then that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I can't, it's not late enough. To explain. No, it. not yet. <laughs> Go. Not enough drinks.
3: I'm taking Army plus two and a half. And it's all about the situation here for this game on both teams. First, let me talk about Army's opponent, Hawaii, who just clinched a division title for the first time ever last week. A game that came down to the wire against San Diego State. San Diego State missed two field goals at the end of the game. One, they called the, the head coach for Hawaii, called a timeout. And then they still missed the, the next one, San Diego State. So Hawaii's celebrating. Why? Because next week, Hawaii's playing in their first conference championship game in the Mountain West against Boise State. So I got to at least question, what is Hawaii's motivation here? And on top of that, what is one team I don't want to play when I have questionable motivation? It's a service academy team that runs the option like Army. And speaking of Army, Army's max motivated here. Why Army's off a buy? Army needs to win to get to a bowl game, and Army has a buy on deck before the Navy game. Give me Army plus two and a half over
1: Hawaii. I tell you, that's one of your more convincing handicaps. I mean, like when I heard a variation of this on Straight Out of Vegas, I'm like, wow. You know, what is your concern? And Ar- maybe, maybe Army's maybe, not. The,
3: well, I mean, as much as. I can say, hey, Hawaii can't defend Army's option. Army doesn't see a passing attack like Hawaii in most games, and Army has struggled against passing offenses like San Jose State earlier this year.
1: So do you
3: like the over? I do like the over, and I think it's cheap at 57.
1: Is there a correlation? Hmm. All
3: right,
1: so... Yeah, I don't think...
3: I don't know if there's a strong correlation because you think if Army's going to win, they're going to control the football, control the clock, have success running.
1: Yeah, but, if anything, yeah. they almost are inversely correlated. But yeah. you could imagine potentially, like, the le- what's the least likely outcome, right? Hawaii blowout. I just don't see that at all. So you think an Army gets their points? Yeah, Army gets their points. So the only way— the Hawaii covers is they if win, they a, win shoot in out. a shootout. Yeah, they win so a shootout. A, so, what you're saying is now you can go about this two ways. You could just bet the Army team total. Yeah. Mm. Right? because it sounds like you're not so sure. I mean, make the case that Army matches up their defense against Hawaii. Hawaii's
3: I, offense. I can't make a strong case for so that. So really, this yeah.
1: handicap zeroing in on yeah. You love the 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 edge Army has on offense over Hawaii. Yes. And what you're saying is, though you think the edge isn't near as strong, you aren't in love with the other matchup. Yep. So why not? And again, some people don't like to bat these things, but but like, thinking about it, doesn't your handicap fit that even yes, more? Yes, it does.
3: And th- th- I'll be perfectly frank. That's, a, that's the next step for me, is thinking about games in that regard and getting at it. What's your strongest part of the handicap and how's the best way we can get at that handicap?
1: Because I think as time moves on and the markets are just getting sharper, as far as I can see, the derivative markets are, are usually trailing. To whatever yep. degree, they might get sharper in three years, but it usually is behind. And plus, it's fun. In a weird way, even if you've never bet a derivative and you never will as a listener for whatever reason, identifying that helps understand helps you understand the handicap. Yep. And you can decide if you agree with it or not. Because yep. you might say, hell, I've been watching Alabama. Or wait. I've been watching Hawaii. I can't do a Hawaiian accent. Yeah. For a long time, they're not going to do nothing. You know? And then you've got Brad's take on the one side of the ball and yours on the other, whatever the combination is. All right. So, KT, uh, let's just say in a weird way he didn't have the sleeves where he had his sleeves covered and he was subdued, but then at various times his eyes got on fire. So, let's just say this. it's a, It's a slightly different KT. But he seemed on his—it was almost like he was really focused. It was a— Yeah. Way. So, and by the way, guess what? Next week, we'll be right back here. Same bat time, same bat channel. And next up, finally, for our best
5: bet, Ken Thompson. There you go. And I'm going with Minnesota's Golden Gophers. And thank goodness my wife doesn't listen to the Dream Pod because she's what? a gal that grew up outside of Madison, Wisconsin— and it seems like when I go against the Badgers or Green Bay, I have trouble. When I go with them, I have trouble. So I try to stay away, but I couldn't pass up this opportunity because I do respect the heck out of P.J. Fleck. I think the guy's one of the best motivators in college football, and Tanner Morgan means a lot. And when he played last week, and that's what I said on, the, on my show on Friday, if Tanner Morgan plays, I'm on Minnesota. Got on him as soon as I found out he was playing They were dominant. They ended up winning by 16, but they should have won that game by 30 against Northwestern. Now you play Wisconsin, a very predictable team to me as far as offense. They're going to run Jonathan Taylor. They're going to try and use that big offensive line. But I think Minnesota has the guys on defense that can make plays, can get in on cone, can throw Taylor for some losses. And the guy that's back for Minnesota – is Kamal Martin. He's a linebacker that missed four games. He's still number three on the team in tackles. Came back last week. What did he do? Eight tackles, six of them solo and a sack. His complementary play at linebacker, along with Antoine Winfield Jr., one of the best secondary players in the country, is going to be enough to keep Wisconsin off balance as far as Wisconsin's offense. And I think Tanner Morgan, remember what he did against Penn State. He threw that ball all over the lot against the Nittany Lions, better than... Fields threw it for Ohio State at home against Penn State last week. So I'm looking for Tanner Morgan to have a big game, use Johnson, Bateman, and Douglas. There could be some rain there, but I'm okay with Smith, Brooks, and Ibrahim running the ball for Minnesota. Too many weapons. Minnesota wins this game. They represent the West against the Ohio State University.
1: You know, that was an amazing presentation, Ken, but I, my mind was just like ringing. Your, your wife doesn't listen to the Dream Preview? I know, right?
0: You sound like a fing hippie. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit PodcastOne.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly
7: on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.